Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast. We're just here walking around. We're going to go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck before. I just shot a freaking big buck. that one. Oh, you hit him. Go get that one, Henry. Right here. Welcome to Michigan Wild, another episode this week. Uh, I just want to kind of start things off with, if you hear some background noise, uh, that is my family, uh, most likely HD. We, I try to do these intros, you know, in the morning or at night, kind of keep things a little quieter, but uh, get, weekend got a little away from me, the week kind of did, so quick doing this one right before the Lions play, uh, and hopefully, man, I am jacked with the Lions, let me get, tell you what, never had this happen in my life, so... It's been a it's been a good run, and really looking forward to them playing the Buccaneers tonight or this afternoon. But yeah, if you hear a little background noise, don't worry. I'm just a normal guy with a family, and uh, it's my little dude up there running around having a good time. But yeah, this uh, this week's episode is going to be with uh, Jeremiah and Trey and Ruth, uh, two guys. They're from Missouri, and um, I became friends with them guys because we shared a bear camp this uh, past spring of '23. Um, we went to Wyoming and uh, we all three shot some bears out there and yeah, it was a really, it was a good trip and met them two dudes and they're, uh, they're brothers that are very, uh, you know, passionate about hunting and they do a lot of out of state stuff. So it just kind of cool to, you know, they're a little younger than me and going through how they got their life and they're really taking advantage of the time they have and, you know, exploring and doing a lot of cool things. And they're kind of setting their lives up to do that for now before, you know, start getting the busyness of family life and all that starting. So it's really fun to talk with them and, you know, have them give us some, uh, you know, pointers, I guess, maybe, you know, kind of ask them like, Hey, just like they're big into turkey hunting and, you know, they kind of break down how they do that. And like I said, they, they we'll get it, we get into it in this episode and it's really cool. So, but yeah, they're, they're serious dudes about, you know, hunting whitetails and bow hunting and all those things so they have a property that their family owns that they've been put a lot of effort into uh the past few years and we kind of talk about how long they did that and they've really made it a goal to try to shoot you know more mature deer there and in the area that you know they have big deer around you know not too far away from they live but they're kind of pockets like that big woods um not a lot of ag around at all so you know they're hunting those uh those oak ridge bucks and all that kind of stuff so there's kind of a nice little variance between you know, they get, they'll get the occasional really big body deer, you know, high scoring, but then they also, uh, they also will, you know, have your typical, what you would think of a more Southern big woods, woods deer. So yeah, we get, it's a good conversation. We talk a lot about their past couple of years, whitetail hunting. They had some stark differences from 22 to 23. So it's kind of cool to, you know, hear them guys talk about that, their ups and downs. And 
I think it's just a really relatable thing. I mean, very rarely, I mean, I, I, very rarely I put like back to back to back to back years of just like doing really good. Like the same formula works year in, year out. It's more of like, you have to constantly adapt and, you know, see how it goes. And they, you know, they dealt with that this year and, you know, face some uh, different things because of the drought and because of, you know, weather and these, the, the acorn crop and that kind of stuff. So it was really, I really enjoyed listening to them kind of break down how they went through it. And like Jeremiah, he was, he went hard. He went hard this year. He, he hunted the last, like, I think their season goes to like January 12th or something. I don't know what, I can't remember what it is, but he hunted like the last 10 days straight. Cause he had a buck that was showing up that he was like, felt like he had a good opportunity on, but no, uh, no, that was, that was really, really cool hearing that. And then, yeah, I was just intrigued with like their out of state elk hunts. Like they go on elk hunts. They all went on an elk hunt together, him or the brothers, and then their dad went and they, they all connected on some elk. So that was cool to hear that. But uh no, overall it's a wonderful episode with the them guys. You can hear the passion and uh be able to do that with your family is is pretty cool, you know, especially I get to do that kind of stuff with my dad out of state hunting and you know, my buddies and stuff like that. And it's just a special thing you get to do. So, um I I uh in in hearing them talk about like I it's a great point they brought up with, you know, they love turkey hunting and how easy it is to maybe go on a turkey hunt for your first kind of out of state thing. So, you know, lots of guys in Michigan, you know, travel out of state and try to go a little farther west, you know, either chase, you know, bigger deer or more opportunities at bigger deer. Um, a lot of guys go elk hunting, you know, do the, do the out west, you know, maybe mule deer, antelope kind of thing. So, I mean, if you're one of those guys that, you know, maybe is a little intimidated by it or has never done it. I mean, get a buddy together and go make like a, a long weekend and go treasure turkey somewhere. I mean, it's kind of like a mini, it's a mini trip and you, you know, usually the weather's a little nicer. I mean, the cool thing about turkeys is you just go look for them and they respond to your calls. So, I mean, you can find them pretty easy. And that's kind of how these guys broke down. They did the Black Hills hunt, turkey hunt, which is like very low odds of killing turkey. And they went in detail how they made that happen. And uh, when I heard that, I was like, man, that's a, that's a very good point. And yeah, I mean, I kind of wish maybe I would have done that or been like a little easier bridge to, you know, get into some of these other things. Cause like over the counter turkey tags aren't very expensive. Um, you don't need near as much stuff. I mean, you don't need to, you know, lug a bunch of tree stands and, um, do anything like that. You can just go out there and hunt. So I'm, I'm always a proponent about that. Just going out there and hunt. So, no, that's a great episode with them for that. And then just kind of give them a little update what I've been going on uh, this week. I fletched a bunch of arrows, so that was fun. I uh, After doing the last week's episode with Brian from Day 6, he uh, he got me all fired up. And I got to do some fletching, uh, refletching some of my arrows, um, you know, just the ones that broke and that kind of a thing. I was using one type of uh, fletching that I liked, but they weren't very, like, I don't really know how to explain it. They're almost too rigid, so, like really easy to knock fletchings off like even if it's i mean it wasn't like i was shooting a group so tight where my arrows were touching you know when that happens you know if you hit a fletching perfect you know it's going to fall off or you're gonna rip it or something like that's understandable but these groups weren't even that tight and you could just tell from the either the fletchings hitting themselves or the arrow slapping it or whatever it may be they would just like pop off super easy so there was quite a few arrows that i had uh that needed that redone and so did those and then I had some that I hadn't yet to fletch they were like a little different um total arrow weight on those um so yeah I, I fletched a bunch of those new ones up and yeah it felt good kind of was nice to you know a couple couple nights a week just you know before bed quick fletch a couple of them let them dry and you're you know messing with them it's like 
kind of scratching that itch, that bow hunting itch. So I'll probably end up, uh, yeah, I'll probably end up bringing the target downstairs here real soon and start going through my repetitions and shooting really, really heavily, like in the basement. And we're talking close range and uh, get that back up and started. I'm my been feeling pretty good my shoulder was kind of bothering me a little bit not too long ago so I was like you know what I'm going to kind of like season's done I didn't do much shooting at all in December a little bit and the really nice days I would still shoot my bow but I kind of scaled it way back and it's starting to feel good again so you know here February I'll probably start shooting the basement and I'll do that for until it gets nice out you know every night shoot a few arrows so got that going on and then yeah chasing bunnies today actually went out this morning we ran rabbits uh, in the deep snow that was <laughs> It was uh, quite the adventure, or quite the scene, watching our dogs uh, go through the snow, and you know all you see is their little heads poking in and out as they're jumping. Uh, but no, they ran great. They ran some, ran quite a few good rabbits, uh, some decent circles. You could tell the elements were not the greatest, but for the following week's episode, me and Tyler Thompson, who was on before, we're gonna break down our couple rabbits of 2024 and give you guys a good uh a good breakdown of how all that went so no that's that's kind of my week you know doing that uh my deer are hammering the food plots like it's fantastic i mean you always it's one of those things where you plan all these things that are good late season and good weather and you're like you don't know if they're going to enjoy it the first year because it's a new thing but man i got they they hit it really well um through the fall you know the early stages of the season they were eating all the greens and stuff it's a if those plots are very, you know, have a wide variety on there. And yeah, once we start getting this deep snow, I mean, I got, I got pictures of bucks shoving their faces down in the, in the snow and their antlers are full of snow. I mean, it's super cool stuff and they're, they're digging in there and doing that. So, I mean, it makes me feel good. They're getting to food, you know, it's part of the habitat thing, you know, guys, I can see why guys love it. Cause you can try to make it better for the deer, but knowing they got a spot, they can go and get into that and dig into it and get to the food makes you feel good for the following fall i mean it's been we've got a lot of snow but it's that soft fluffy snow so it makes it easier for them to you know get down to the 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 ground and tear up with those turnips and radishes and all the other stuff that's down in there now we got some rain coming and you know who knows how warm it's going to be for how long but i'm hoping it does that uh it doesn't get like that ice that really thick ice layer on anything because for one Hard on the dog's feet for running rabbits. Uh, two, the dogs can't run as fast as they break through it as the rabbits can. So that kind of adds some challenge. And uh, also, you know, if we get snow and stuff on top of that, it's going to make it harder for the deer to get down. So we'll see how the weather looks. But, yeah, so far got some got some promising things from the deer herd. They're not all dead. That's a good – that's always a good thing as a Michigan hunter when you actually can still have pictures of bucks after season. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my week, my week in review. And, um look forward to the next few weeks uh like i said you know do do uh continue chasing the small game i mean i still like i'm just gonna encourage anyone who's new to hunting or maybe you've hunted for a while i mean give small game hunting an opportunity it is just man it's so much fun go with your buddies we're not even that like seriously we're not serious about killing rabbits we just go out there you chit chat you know talk to your buddies laugh have a good time if you get to shoot your guns a few times it's kind of a bonus everyone loves the smell of gunpowder uh, but yeah, I mean, even if you don't have a group of buddies that are into that, but you're just like, you know, this time of year it's tough because weather sucks and you maybe sit inside on the couch a little more often, you're getting antsy. I mean, just go, go throw the boots on and go walk around. I mean, there's a lot of good opportunities to maybe, you know, walk on state land or that one spot you have on Onyx that you've never 
you never walk. You always want, oh, I got to go check that out. I mean, right now is a great time here to go check it out. I mean, drive around and see what's out there. I mean, you can still find deer sign. I mean, there's the season signs there. I mean, there's going to be, obviously, the snow lets you know where the deer are right now. Um, so, I mean, you can kind of use your best judgment if you feel like that's a area they'll be for the following fall. But it's still fun to see that stuff and get out there, get your lungs going, and feel good at the end of the day. So, no, that's my little, I guess that's my little tangent for uh, getting outside and being a proponent for that. So, yeah, guys, have a good week. Go Lions. And just want to say it because I don't know if I said it yet, but let's go blue national champions. I still can't believe that happened too. So maybe it's the year. My Lions will finally win Super Bowl. Wolverines won. You know, they won it in 97 when I was a little kid. That's kind of right when I started liking the Wolverines. So, I mean, you know, we got it this year done. Let's see what the Lions can do. But thanks, guys. Enjoy the episode. All right, welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. I have, for the first time, two brothers on to uh, tonight. They... Are you guys considered Southern boys, or are you still Northern guys? I would, I'd say Midwestern. Um, oh, you like Midwestern? Okay. It's south I seventy, and it uh, it starts getting more Southern down in the Boot Hill around Cape. It you're not far out. from there, though, right? Like you're uh, not about two and a half hours north. Okay. okay. Um, we're about in the state, so I've been to parts the- of Missouri that it's like these people sound very Southern, like. Uh, it's a mix of everybody. You know, you got some northerners up north that call soda pop, but then down <laughs> south. <laughs> yeah, it gets yeah, southern. I like to say Missouri has quality deer, just like the rest of the Midwest, only it's a lot more of a southern hunting, hunting culture where they like to, uh, it's more of a rifle camp, not much bow hunting going on. Um, get south of us, it's a ton of pine trees and hogs and that kind of stuff. But yeah, so you guys are joining me tonight because uh, we've developed a friendship because we both got to share a beer camp uh, last May or June, I guess it was June, and uh, yeah, it was a pretty good story. And that was uh, we all three killed, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so me and you, me and Jeremiah. So we got Jeremiah and uh, Trayton, Ruth are here, and uh, Trayton was the one that shot his with a bow. And I think on the one st- episode I talked about, me and Ashley went and helped him recover the bear. He knew it was dead, but you had to go get it kind of a thing. And we we kind of got lost in the middle there's of the no mountain question. range. There's no question it was dead when it died right below me. So. Yeah, you saw that thing die, which is sweet. But, yeah, if you, anyone wants to hear about that story, we we did an episode on Working Class bow hunter. I don't know how long ago that has been now, but you can hear that. But. We kind of shared camp together and that had a great, you know, few days doing that together. And then, yeah, we, uh, you guys are come serious, uh, bow hunters and whitetail hunters and, you know, we got along real well. So I, you guys do a lot of traveling out of state hunts, which is really intriguing to me. You guys seem to get on elk every year. You did some pheasant hunting, you go out of state, do turkey hunting. So I was like, yeah, you guys need to come do a podcast with me because there's, you guys do a lot of cool things. (laughs) So welcome guys. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Now, we met you in bear camp. That's probably one of the best hunts I've ever been on. <clears throat> and from what Trey said, it's one of the best bear camps he's ever had for almost everybody killed. Yeah. 
it's a tough hunt, man. I mean, that's not a gimme by any means. Like, it's nuts. I don't. I still doesn't make sense why um, that giant span space of real estate that we got bears to come within shooting distance. You know, like doesn't make any sense in daylight. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't quite as easy. You guys seem to have the yeah, me and you. Me and you, we got the rabbits the first couple of days. <laughs> you guys hunts were short. You guys had a vacation out in Wyoming. Yep, we were beer <laughs> boys. Three days Nate, after that. Nate and I were making beer runs to town. Yep. <laughs> just hanging out. So let's kind of um, go through your guys' season. I mean, I can kind of just do a little backstory from talking to you guys during camp. You know, you, you're you're in a good area for Missouri, but you're not like close to Iowa in Missouri. So you have some southern, you know, hunting, you know, with the weather and, you know, a lot of oaks and those kind of things. You guys have kind of implemented food plots but you've really like started targeting a lot like more mature deer and you kind of have been streaky. It seemed like you guys had a pretty good couple of years put together. Maybe you guys both shot great bucks last year, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then yeah, this so, year was a little different. Yeah. This year's a lot more of a grind, um, especially with the weather. I mean, last year was about as perfect as we could get um, for early season. I think, the deer trading killed last year was like September, which is typically 90 day, 90 degree days. And I think the high that day was 65. Mm, um, that day we had like a 20 degree drop and temperature swing. And I killed them the 10th day of the season. I mean, it was our first hunt out and had great success. We kind of got on that summer pattern last year and were able to capitalize that way. Yeah. Cause you're kind of all over deer. Weren't you Jeremiah? The first couple sits. Yeah, I actually was hunting the same deer that he ended up killing. And uh, I think the first, we needed a northwest wind to hunt that stand, which is great for early season because you get those lower temperatures. And uh, I think I hunted the first north wind we got was like, the, I think he killed it the 25th. I think I sat at the 22nd, I believe. And the two bucks, he'd actually had a bachelor group, a buck we call Amigo, and then a buck we call Snitch but she got his name, which is part of the story. Um, so I hunted him and those two showed up like right before last light, knew that he ran with them. He ended up not showing up. So I immediately like got out of the tree as fast as I could and snuck out of there before he showed up. Uh, next day was a bad wind. So I hunted somewhere else. Sure enough, he came out right in front of that stand. Next day was the same wind. So I hunted a, the same field, but it's about 300 yards away. Um, in a redneck blind. So Hunted that. He came out again last light, so I got a little bit of a look at him. And made sure, yeah, he's for sure a shooter. He's five or six years old. Uh, big frame eight. Doesn't score a ton, but if you look you look at him, he's just a framey deer. Um, next day, he came around. I was going to go hunting again, and Trayton had texted me and said, hey, my coach isn't going to have practice because he played college ball here in town and said he was going to go hunting, so I decided to go take the camera with him, and it wasn't much of a hunt to be honest we didn't see a deer until about the last 20 minutes and uh these two bucks came out amigo came out and then a buck we call snitch we got his name because while we were watching him he turned around and looked behind him and i said grab your bow get ready and here come poster was the name of the buck we ended up killing but he walked into 22 yards or something like that and trading pinwheeled him dude smoked him just drilled him it was yeah. awesome footage all I was on video. I mean, I shot him right there behind the shoulder. He's kind of flirting with the shoulder, but just just far enough behind it. And he absolutely bulldozed. His face hit the ground. I've never seen yeah. a deer react that. His nose just hit the dirt, and he 
just hurrying out of there. And we were kind of a little bit worried about the shot at first, but then we rewatched the film, you know, just kind of being in that shoulder area, wanted to make sure. And uh, he didn't go, but like 70 yards piled up in the timber. Yeah, Trayton's Stone big on the heart killer shot. on that one. I'm a TV hunter. I'm more of a double lung kind of guy. More room for you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you do have that. So he shot his early in the early in the year, and then you shot yours, Jeremiah. What time of year did you shoot yours last year? Uh, November fifteenth. So it was during the rifle season. Second, actually, it was a Tuesday. So it was the first week after the first weekend. So our rifle season pretty much opens anywhere from like the eleventh to the fourteenth. I think it's typically it's the first Saturday of or second Saturday of November, mm-hmm. and then it runs for ten days. Gotcha. And that's the rival season here. As soon as that's over, okay. you're done. We have an analyst portion in December, and then if you live in a CWD county, you can hunt a CWD season up until like the end of February. Oh. But we don't have that. We don't deal with that here. Do you do like a uh, muzzleloader season or anything like that too? Then or right? Loader. Yeah, it's alternative starts, seasons. Yeah, and it's alternative is what it's called. You can shoot muzzleloader, atlatl, pistol. Um, pistol. I think we're one of the only states that allows atlatl. You say atlatl? Like you can use one yeah. of those? Yeah, there's only been like three recorded kills ever in Missouri with it. <laughs> They've been allowing it since like 2005 or something like that, and like two or three people have actually completed it or Damn. gotten one. I That'd don't be know. pretty cool. I mean, I've... <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know how you can be accurate enough for that, but yeah, good for you. Yeah. So you can, we get you do pistol. Um, we do some muzzleloader, but yep. typically we're not in an area that's got ag. Um, very limited. Yeah. And around the river bottoms, you'll get occasionally some guys with some bean fields, but we're a few miles from there. Um, so without the late winter food sources, typically late season's not fantastic. Yeah. For us, but yeah, I killed my buck November. Um, self-filmed it. it was pretty quick hunt and saw a ton of deer. I bet I saw 35 deer before him, just nothing of size. And actually that morning I woke, set my alarm, I think at like 4 a.m. to check cameras. And I was like, if he's going to be on, if he's on the camera, I'm going, if he's not, I'll go in the afternoon. And sure enough, he was going in a bedding area in that field that morning at like, I don't know, like 11 p.m. or something. And so I decided to go in there and I actually did an interview on the camera and I said, uh, I got 20 minutes before I have to go to work. I hope it's action packed. And I'm not kidding. I say immediately after I said that here, he comes out of the woods. Like I had somebody holding him back and just let him release. And he came out at like 260 yards and walked all the way into 70 and stopped him and shot him. And he didn't go more than 50 yards. So ended up being my biggest, we both shot our biggest deer ever. Last year. year. Yeah, last so, year. That's right. Because you guys got a – did you guys do a pedestal mount or something? You did like a cool mount with both of them, right? Yeah, we took the old barn and we did a whiskey barrel mount with both of them on it. And nice. we cut out the front of the whiskey barrel to put shelves on because we had the sheds from Traden's book from the oh, two years. Oh, sweet. Nice. So it's nice. So, so that was a good whitetail season for you guys. And then fast forward to this past fall, your season just ended, you said, Sunday, right? Yes, or was it Sunday yes, last day? Yesterday was nope. the last day. Last day. Yeah, January so 15th. Walk me through uh walk me through the you kind of we were talking a little bit before it was kind of a polar opposite year for you two compared to the year before. <laughs> yeah, it started in the summer. We were getting great. We have a 
buck we called claw who just got junk everywhere i mean he's a nice he's a buck he's you a wouldn't pass first morning in iowa he's a big um, deer yeah so we're really looking forward to him he actually grew less points this year we put on mass width and height um so he looked framier just brought i honestly don't know if he would have scored as much as he did last year but he is five and a lot of high hopes for him and then we got hammered by drought i mean i don't think we got rain for months um planted our food plots almost none of them came up so we replanted them got one rain to get them started and then got drought for the next month and a half and just actually killed them so food plots were pretty much nothing so we were hunting a lot of oak flats we had a couple clover fields already established about four or five of them so we hunted those quite a bit we actually had an encounter with our target buck call early in the season um he just came out at like last light at 80 yards and never gave us a shot and then he ended up disappearing october 26th we still don't have a picture of him which is pretty abnormal he's typically a homebody he's a and i don't think anybody shot him with a it was before rifle season no one really bow hunts luckily we have a pretty good stretch of ground that nobody really hunts around us um except for our north side which is a friend of ours and he's on the same program as us of only killing mature deer mm -hmm. um so that's nice but yeah he disappeared and that was kind of the start of the struggle and then trayton's buck showed up so i'll let you let him tell a little bit about that. yeah so before we get into that like do you have ehd ever down there have you guys experienced that we've seen any of that on our farm i've ever heard of it around here um there was some like inkling of it this year around we got a lot of rivers in here so most of our water is moving around this area yeah. we don't have big stagnant bodies of water um i did know there were four or five deer reported dead along a river bank on a public piece around us so i don't know what was causing there but we've never had issues with ehd knock yeah. on wood nah, yeah we haven't like my area of michigan you know michigan will get it um you know but the closest i've really experienced like knowing is you know a few miles away but like early this year, like one of the first sits of the year, I smelled a dead deer in the middle of a cornfield. And it was like October 3rd. So our season doesn't start till the first. And I was like, man, there's no way someone shot one opening night and it's, you know, dead and smelling like that, you know, two days later. Um, so I wasn't really sure, but then they they harvested the the corn and uh there was a dead like little four pointer or something. And you know, maybe he got hit by the by a car, but who knows? But I thought that was kind of weird. Um, and it's a dirt road, so cars don't even go that fast. So, like the chances of that happening pretty slim. So it's like, oh, maybe he died from EHD. And then there was a buck that me and Henry found a shed to last year, and he was a really nice three-year-old eight-point this year. And um, I seen him a couple times. My brother-in-law seen him a few times, just didn't get within range for him to shoot. And then he ended up finding that deer dead in one of like the little ponds, uh, like a little waterway that we have on one of the properties. And he, you know, he pulls it out, and I was like, when did you see that deer last? He's like the fourth of. I think the 4th or the 6th of November is when he saw it last. And he said he couldn't find any holes in it from getting shot with a gun, couldn't find nothing. And I'm like, maybe I think it like it was in the middle of the water and like deer only go there to like drink. And I was like, I wonder if they can get EHD and die like that much later. I don't know if they can or not, but that's kind of what it seemed like happened. Yeah, so I have no idea. Real weird. No experience with it. Um, luck, knock on wood, we haven't had that many deer just that we find during shed season. Now, yeah. I joked with him earlier, we're probably going to find this one. Yeah, I'd say he might be one you find. <laughs> um, if he is dead, I hope, I hope we do find him so it can put some peace of mind. We're not yeah. hunting ghosts next year, but we also we have a big eight-pointer, um, four-year-old, that showed summers with that buck, 
and then he typically disappears and then shows back up around rut and stays. And he showed up about the time that buck disappeared. So I don't know if it's one of those bully eights that just pushed him off yeah. the farm. Got him. There's our neighbor to the south has a ton of bedding. It's just about 300 acres of nothing but cedars. So the deer can get lost in there pretty easy and stay mm -hmm. as much spend his life there. So I don't now, know if that happened. No, how big are your guys' deer? Because like you're southern, like I hunted southern Illinois this year. And, you know, I spent, you know, five or six days down there and I saw a few deer and I noticed that like the deer I'd see driving around the road, they were like kind of smaller bodied, you know, type deer. So like 130 inch deer look just giant to me, like, you know, cause they just seem that yeah. way. But then I've seen some of the pictures of your deer and it seems like they, like you get some big body deer or am I just, you guys good at taking pictures? Like, honestly, I feel like we get a mix of like those Northern deer, but then we get a mix of like some Southern body size deer. And we'll kind of get into that with the deer I killed. <laughs> now, does that make it hard to know how old they are then? Like, is that like struggling to tell like body size? Like, how do you guys age these deer? Because you have some framey deer. Like, I've seen pictures. It's like, dude, that deer looks like, it looks giant. You're like, well, it's like only this old. And it's like, well, then you start looking at it. You dissect the picture. It's like, okay, I can see how that could be a three-year-old. But they just look, like you said, you have really framey deer. And it's, it's sometimes when you're trying to chase deer, their older age class, it's hard to. It's hard to know unless you get like those year in year out pictures. Yeah. On the bright side, most of our deer, we have a ton of inventory of, like I said, not too many people hunt around us. We typically get a picture of just about every deer and within a couple miles at some point throughout the season. Yeah. So it helps having that previous knowledge. Um, it can get tough on the foot if you've never seen them before and they just kind of show up trading, I think past a, I passed a year old a couple years couple ago because he'd ago. never seen it. And we're so used to, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It takes away some of the uh, surprise that you love to mm. bow hunting when you get to it. But it's also nice to be able to manage deer and know for sure what deer what going into a sit and just randomly showed up one day and he passed it. I saw it um, bow hunting, but too far away. Or actually, I saw rifle hunting. I saw it fight another deer and never got a shot. And I was like, dude, no way you passed that. I was like, that thing is a tank. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you get nervous. You've never seen him before. You're like, I don't want to shoot yeah. a three-year-old. Think if, if I can help it. I erred on the yeah. side of caution. <laughs> that deer is kind of old enough. He was starting to go downhill. So it was kind of like that gray area of, is this deer mature? Is he just really old? Like, what's going on? And he says, like, passing. I mean, he was at, like, 42 yards, which is kind of in that. Hey, for trading, that's passing. He's that's passing. Shoot at it, but... uh <laughs> You know, yeah, stuff happens. The furthest deer I've shot is 45 yards. So, I mean, <laughs> it was right him. there. But on a buck, I'd like him to be a little closer than 42. <laughs> well, especially like if you're bow hunting and like that, yeah, like if you don't know what that deer is, a lot of times right. you don't have a long time to like make your decision between like grabbing your bow and killing it or I'm letting it walk. So, I understand yeah. like that area. That I had a buck decoy out in front of me and I did a rattling sequence and he came in and this kind of threw me off because later we know he's a mature deer at the time he kind of shied away from that decoy. And I was like, well, if he was a mature deer, I would figure he would come in and be aggressive towards that decoy. I mean, we're talking like November 5th, November 6th, like right in that prime time that they should be fighting and, you know, duking it out. Um, he shot away from that decoy. So I was kind of like, maybe he isn't as mature as I think, or well, I don't know what the deal is here. So I liked it to pass, but later with pictures, we uh, determined that he was definitely 
seven or eight years old. Which is crazy because I watched him whoop the tar out of a four and a half year old ten pointer, and I mean just run him through the town for a doe. But you know, you're talking bow hunting. You pass a deer, and it sounds hindsight's twenty twenty. It's a five second decision. Yeah, I mean it's tough. That's kind of the decisions you make, and you live with them. <laughs> yep, you do. And it's like like I had like last year for me. I had I hunted hard last year and didn't shoot anything with my bow. You know, and uh, but when you look at it, it's like well you pass this deer and pass that deer because a lot of those like tweener deer. You know, like I like thankfully i knew what deer they were like i knew they were three-year-olds so it made like okay yep passing but like if there was like just a random deer that showed up there was a good chance i might have shot one of those and then you know you walk up to it and it's like yeah you're still very thankful and very ha happy that you shot a deer you get the full you know get you worked up but it's like when you're trying to do this like bigger picture thing like management like you guys are talking about the last thing you want to do is shoot a really nice three and a half year old because you want to get the age structure rolling on your property and yeah, there's years where you just gotta not shoot them, and then you can kind of reload once you're once you're there. But uh, yeah, it's it's that sometimes uh, I've passed some deer, and it's like you watch them walk away, and they always just look just giant when they walk away, and you're like, did I do the right thing? <laughs> I passed one like that this year, an early season. I had we we're on the I was on the edge of the farm, and this is right next to that property. It's got a bunch of bedding, and we always get bucks come off there, and. It's really nice. He's a 10 pointer. Yeah, 10 or 11. 10 pointer. or 11. He came out and I was like, who is that? He's probably 125, 30 inches. Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to judge him on the hoof and it's earlier season. So that kind of makes it a little tougher. And I thought he was three and a half. Jeremiah thought he was four and a half, but uh, I ended up passing him too. Just, you know, I'd rather be safe than sorry. And we have had the instance where we get these bonus bucks show up and we think they realize that we have nicer food and more does and they decide to stick around. And that's kind of how Jermaine killed the nine last year. He ended up, he showed up late season and stuck around. Um, so we're kind of hoping that buck does the same, but uh, we haven't had a whole lot of pictures of him since. Yeah. Yeah. I can get take early season. I mean, they, the racks look way bigger in my opinion on those smaller bodies and like you were, I'll go back to your question since you never really answered about the body size. Um, our typical deer, I would say a, a big buck's probably 200 pounds, 225 pounds of mature deer. We're not getting the 300 pounders like you get in Iowa or I think we're four hours South of the Iowa border. So we're not quite in that Midwest realm. I like to say we're on the bottom end of big buck where you can get big deer. I mean, mm -hmm. I had a buddy who shot a 206 inch deer an hour south of us so they're there i mean we see we know of guys who shoot 170s every year in our area um i think we've had a what we would guess is a 180 before trade and actually missed them one of the first the first year I ever bow hunting <laughs> that was the first buck but, i've ever seen bow hunting it wasn't yeah, fair you were, yeah you were you were you told me that story in camp and i was like you gotta be kidding me and you're yeah. like yep first time i'm here i am gonna go use a bow and this deer walks out yeah, so we, we can get big deer um it's just more management than anything we put a lot of time and effort into food plots and um we're building some deer feeders um and we put out for years we've put out feed all year long we can feed from up to day after last day up until 10 days prior to the opening day um so we feed all summer long and spring minus turkey season you got to pull it for yep. that yeah but uh yeah we've seen a lot of 
our number of quality deer has probably gone up. Um, our numbers of deer in general have probably skyrocketed. Whether that's good or bad, we do a lot of doe management. <laughs> you get overrun with does if you let them. Yeah. So how long have you guys kind of been like doing this serious like management on this property for? Is this like a 10-year deal? Is this a 15-year deal? How long have you guys been doing this for? We've only been on this farm since uh 2014 is the first year yeah, we owned so it. It's not this will be almost our, this will be the tenth year. Yeah, this nice. will be our tenth season in 24. Um serious hunting. I don't know if I caught say we seriously hunted uh for maybe the past four to five years, maybe. Probably about the time I got out of high school. Yeah. Um I like to say I didn't shoot any bucks growing up because you uh watch, you know, you watch TV or you see what your dad's killed and stuff. And we started hunting pretty late. Um, I think I killed my first buck when I was 18. He wasn't giant and he's a small eight pointer, but he was good enough for me at the time. And uh heck yeah. That's kind of started. You know, you watch these shows and you have the ability to do it. Um, I've never really just been one to shoot to shoot um mainly because i shoot does all the time i mean i don't know how many does we shoot a year probably anywhere from 10 to 15 on just our farm alone um so i would say food plots we've been doing food plots for about seven years but really managing and doing cameras and doing feed and food plots and all the passing deer probably, probably four or five years. years i mean before that you know you're 16 i'd shoot anything that had a rack pretty much uh, just yeah, didn't absolutely. We played a ton of travel baseball up until I, we graduated high school. And so falls were pretty much spent on a ball field in Arizona or Missouri or Oklahoma or Louisiana. I mean, we did not kind of, you hunted weekends and you hunted rifle season pretty much. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know. I knew what wind was. Didn't really know about sink control. Just kind of grabbed your bow and got in a tree and didn't see a whole lot. <laughs> no. You didn't really pay attention to anything. Which is definitely but, that, but i think you have to go through that to appreciate like learning that and seeing that but then once you realize hey there's more to this and then you see like the fruit of that that's what makes it so much fun like you guys being able to take a property and be let's say serious for five years and like every year trying to get better and better and it's like you're going from you just said like what hunter wouldn't want to have more deer on their property you're getting bucks that are hanging around because like you said you don't have like this amazing egg around so you're kind of creating better habitat which makes it really fun like it's a good it's a good time to like see the hard work go into something and then oh hey yeah look we have you know a late season buck showed up and likes it here because he's got what he wants and you can go shoot a few does and keep yourself kind of sharp shooting does i mean i love shooting does too i wish i could shoot more of them you know i uh it's always when I'm like, I'm in doe mode. I don't see does kind of how that goes, but that's pretty cool. So this goes, but yeah, we started, I started bow hunting when I was 16 and yeah, it was just the same year. The only reason was because I was liked hunting rifle hunting. I was like, dad, I want to hunt longer than the 10 days. Like, can I go get a bow? And we went and got a, got our bows and Jeremiah came along, got our bow. And yeah, so then we started. Yeah, I shot a doe with my bow the first night I ever hunted with it, so I was pretty much hooked on bow hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Seven years ago, I started bow hunting. That's yeah. pretty cool. And I, like you said, it takes the work is the fun part to me. Honestly, my least favorite part of deer season is probably deer season. <laughs> I think the off season and leading up to it and seeing what's around and shed hunting and the chess game you have to play if you want to try to kill 
mature bucks, um, especially if you're trying to do a specific deer, not just any mature buck is, it's pretty fun. It's pretty frustrating. You have seasons that kick your ass like mine did this year and you put in 45 to 50 days in a tree and hunt from a hundred degrees to minus 30 degrees. And you don't put your tag around anything, but then you also have years like last year where it's a record year and it's just a blast. I mean, either way, the killing of the deer is probably, I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I like killing stuff, but the journey and the process of doing it is by far my favorite. Absolutely. Well, let's kind of roll into your season training and how you, uh, you end up shooting a deer you guys had some history with. I kind of want to hear the story. I haven't heard it all the way. So why don't you start it off? Yeah. So I guess he would have early season. We were hunting claw, like we said, and we had some close encounters at last light. And then he disappeared in around October. And yeah. this, uh, that's about the same time this buck showed up playboy. He just, uh, kind of like a mainframe 10, very typical, like no junk anywhere. Um, we've had three years of history with him. Um, was it three years ago you saw him? Yeah, two years ago, I actually saw him breed a doe right in front of me. So that's how he and got then his name, about, Playboy. <laughs> about two days later, I almost hit him with my truck on the county road because he was chasing a doe. So I nicknamed him Playboy after that. And <laughs> that's what ended up getting him killed. Yeah, <laughs> it did. <laughs> That year we were thinking he was three, so Jeremiah passed him. And uh, then the following year, we got some pictures of him just chasing does. He was very sporadic, like he'd be here and then he wouldn't be here. But he was always with does, and we got pictures of him. And uh, we have this property. It's on our south uh, southeast side of the side. farm, and that's right next to the neighbor with all that bedding. And we'd get a lot of pictures of him there with does in the field and stuff. And uh, that's where I ended up killing him actually. So he showed back up and we were getting pictures of him mostly at nighttime. Um, we got an occasional daylight photo. Um, and then what date did I kill him on? It was uh, November. That's a good question. November 20th. Oh, 20th. Okay. Yeah. So it was the second week of, rifle season and leading up to this my season had been horrible besides that one cold snap in october i hadn't seen like any racked bucks and i think i saw like maybe four or five racked bucks in that cold snap in october so i was just really grinding it out i was like what's going on i mean we were hit by droughts so our food pots were not what they typically are and then um day corn mass this year was insane and we have a lot of hardwoods around us so we were just trying our hardest to get pictures and moving cameras around to the hardwood and trying to figure out where these deer are at and form any type of pattern. And it just was not working out. So with the bow in hand, I didn't have much luck or have any chance at all. And then rifle season came along. And once you get that rifle in your hand, it's just a matter of putting time in, you know, mm -hmm. you extend that range out and then you just got to put the time in, sit in the stand and then hope that eventually they'll break from lockdown and then come cruising around for their next does. And so I was actually at work and the cell cans are pinging off like crazy. And uh, this food plot that we had, not much of a food plot, like I said, because of the drought, but these does are in there eating on what little growth that we did have. And this rain event had just quit and the deer were piling in there. 
And I was like texting Jeremiah, I was like, maybe I can leave a little bit early and get in there, but I was going to hunt the next day. And Jeremiah was like, well, I'd, I'd be in there if you could be in there. So I got out, I got out of the house and I went to, I got down to the house and I got changed and I went out there and I was really cautious going and going in the stand. And this was, we were supposed to be having a, um, an easterly wind, which was not great, but it was kind of that marginal wind. So going in there, I was real cautious, kind of worried about that. But as I actually was, I was actually walking in there, the wind switched and was blowing in my face. I was like, I got to get in here now. And I got into the stand all set up. I'm sitting in this grizzly box blind. So I was going to stay locked up and hopefully the wind wouldn't be as much of a factor. And um, I got set down and it wasn't probably 10 minutes. The does start piling out from literally 20 yards from my left, which is right by the path that I walked in on. I don't know how I got in there without those does spooking and it had to be because of that one switch into my face and I was just kind of like a god thing the wind switched and just meant to be but uh those does started piling out in the field and I was like geez this is real early I was probably like three three yeah, like three o'clock I literally just he just texted me he's going to the blind <laughs> yeah and I said <laughs> these does pop out I'm like all right this is good field's filling up and then all these does are like 20 yards in front of me and they start looking around and they're looking back in the woods to the south end of the field and this doe comes squirting out and i mean she was acting weird like she was in heat and i was like all right she's squirting out i'm getting my gun ready and it was he was right behind her i mean she came out and then he came out and he was running and i swung the window open and put my gun out and I mean, it obviously happened fast. And I, uh, I, we actually got this on video on our tactic cam of him running out and chasing that doe and it cuts off right before I, you hear me stop him. I go, Matt, you hear me stop him in the video and then it cuts off and I shoot him. <laughs> what? But, uh, crazy. I knew I smoked him. I could see blood gushing out both sides and he ran off and, I, I didn't see him go down, but then I, the phone calls start and I called Jeremiah and I was like, I just shot Playboy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally like, it might've been 10 minutes after he said, just got to the blind when he's calling me. I'm like, you did not shoot something. <laughs> he's like, yes, I, I just shot Playboy. I'm like, what? thanks. Like, how far away? like, I don't know, 85 yards. We get there. It was like 35 yards. <laughs> <laughs> a little worked yeah. up. So fast, I just put the gun up, and I all I saw was him and my scope, and I pulled the trigger. So oh, I couldn't really know how far he was at. I was just like, I smoked him. That's all that I knew. Yep, that's uh, awesome. In these last two years, I'm gonna start char charging guiding fees for my advice. It's like thanks to the big brother right there. You know, he's like, you better get out of here, boy. <laughs> so what made you? Well, I kind of made you want to go to that specific blinds i mean you guys got options so like you right, said you've been yeah. kind of struggling to get on deer like why why that spot specifically i mean was it from intel from cameras or are you just like new does were there or is it proven in the past to be a good area that time of year or what kind of all of the above in the history past that's where he had been frequenting on that side of the farm and this year we were getting pictures of him in three spots and that field 
on this ridge between this field and another food plot that he would frequent in. So we kind of knew the area that he was using and it was a matter of just picking the right stand and it was either going to be this one or the ridge stand or the power line stand. And uh, with the MRI, the most recent information with those does being in there, I mean, that was the most conger, that was the biggest congregation of does I'd seen all rut. Yeah, there were probably 10 so does in that field on camera. I figured there it. had to be one in there so, in heat. Yeah. And that's why I decided to go in to that stand, even with the marginal wind. I was, I figured I could go in there and just lock up in the blind and yep. hopefully uh, get by with it. And it ended up working out. It's so like when we go to Iowa and hunt there, you know, there's a lot of you know, box blinds and stuff and they're small, but they got like decent windows in them. And, you know, we were talking to the guy and he was kind of like, he's like, you know, typically on the, these winds, this is what the deer like to use in this, these areas. So, and me and dad were like, man, like we could get busted by deer coming from there. And he was always like, typically the does will come from these areas and little bucks, but the big ones will come from there. He's like, just keep those windows shut and just wait them out. Like that's what you have to do. He's like, you can get away with a lot more in those blinds with them shut. And he's right. I mean, if you open that window too soon because either you think something's coming or not you will get busted right away but if you stay locked up they just they might smell you but they don't really understand that you're like there kind of a thing so yeah that's kind of an undersold thing how nice that is to play that that marginal wind you can get away with a lot more we use nose jammer quite a bit so we nose jam before we go in and if it's a i mean if you got a buck that you know is in a certain area and even if it's a bad wind sometimes as long as it's high pressure or it's a morning and your thermal rising I mean, you slip in there, it's, you lock it up. It's pretty much bulletproof, um, especially rifle hunting. I mean, if he's out at a hundred yards and you open your window, he ain't going to smell you by the time yeah. he's dead. Uh, so, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It does get pretty hot in the, in the early season. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> Sauna. Yeah. I mean, it just goes, uh, as you soon wanna... as I opened that window up, there was actually a doe in front of me that blew because it took, you know, that four yeah. or five seconds for her to smell as soon as I opened that window up. It doesn't take them long to figure that out. Yeah. And I mean, that was even with, I had ozone going and nose jammer. I mean, those does, I mean, I'm sure she saw some movement in the blind for me swinging the window open, but you know, she blew and then I well, she saw the blind. She saw the blind shaking because you were so oh. jacked up and nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so how, tell me about this buck a little bit. Like, you know, what did he, what do you think he scored? Or like, you think he was six years old, five years old? What was kind of the breakdown of him? I think he was I think he's five, five years old. Five and a half. Um, we ended up walking up on him, and I was like, "Dang, he looks kind of small-bodied." You know, I just shot poster the year previous, which is a five and a half, same year, same age, around the same age, five or six. And I mean, this was just a tank of an eight-pointer. You know, yeah. obviously for a deer, and we know this deer is five and a half from pictures. I walk up on him, like his body's kind of smaller than a usual mature buck. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, we know he's mature and we end up dragging him out and taking pictures or whatever. And I get him back to the house that, or we put him on the tailgate yeah. and I have pictures of me with poster the year previous on the same tailgate and playboy is about, I don't know, a foot shorter, yeah, probably a foot shorter than a this, foot shorter uh, than this yeah. other deer. And there's as far as length goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just difference in size. Um, I just, I, like we talked about earlier, we get some of those northern sized deer and those southern sized deer. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like that mix in between. Um, 
I mean, obviously, I'm still off. really happy with it. I mean, yeah, Brooklyn, and he ended up scoring 123 inches as a mainframe 10. So, I mean, still a really good deer for us around here. Yeah. And uh, he was mature. And that's the main thing is we're wanting to kill mature deer. And especially yep. better when we have history with him. So. And he liked to party. So, I mean, he probably wasn't at his peak condition, you know, from uh, it, was, it was a weird five days. Body size thing was different because. Jeremiah, one of our buddies, Zeke, came on the recovery with us, and I was, got, we got to the buck, and Jeremiah told Zeke to see. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything in front of everybody because I wasn't sure, so I waited till Trayton left, and I looked at Zeke. I goes, "His nose look kind of short to you." I was like, "He kind of looks like he's like a midget almost." <laughs> but his body is like nothing because yeah. in all these pictures we were guessing we we're like one forty five, one fifty five. It's going to be yeah. this deer. And not that that's like that we have no idea what we're saying because, I mean, last year I shot a 156-inch deer. I kind of know what the frame of it looks yeah. like. So it's yeah. not like, it's like you know, you get the buddy who's like, oh, that's a 170-inch deer. And you're like, dude, that's a 140 inches. Yeah, uh, max. <laughs> yeah, max. Yeah, because you guys have been around deer and you get lots of pictures of deer. So you have like a good, you have a good idea of what's going on in your area. It's real proportionate. And so, and then I went back through all my photos and what I realized is I, we don't have, in three years, we have zero pictures of him with another buck in the picture. Mm -hmm. So there was absolutely nothing to yeah. gauge his size. So he looks proportionate. And then we, it was just odd. We were taking pictures with him and walked up on him. And it was just like, man, he just does not seem right. He seems kind of tiny. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I, I had that this year, the, um, I shot my second buck. He in the early season was with another deer and I believed them both to be four and a half years old and um but he was like short like shorter than the other deer like you said same length maybe but i just remember him being so short and if you were like to see trail cam pictures of him he looks way bigger like in trail camera than what he is like you'd be like yeah. dude that deer's giant and he still was really nice like, i mean he, he just broke 140 so i mean i'm tickled with him for sure but when he came walking in because i grown him across that field he looked like 160 inches. I mean, his antlers just look giant and, you know, he's coming at you and then you, you get him. It's like, he's like, he's really not that big of a body, like by deer. So like, I'm, I'm really confident he's four and a half. Like I have history with that deer, but I'm really curious to see what the teeth say. Cause like, if you would like crop the antlers and like, just see his body, you'd be like, Oh, that's a three-year-old deer. Maybe, maybe three and a half, but it's like, no dude, I've had pictures of this deer for two years this is the third year, like he's for sure four and a half kind of a thing. And then you have a, like the other deer I shot, he double body size, like the biggest body deer I've ever shot. I bet that deer weighed 60 pounds more, maybe 75 pounds more, you know? And it's like, yeah. they live in the same area. They eat the same food. It's just, it just takes so much things got to hit me right to get a giant deer. So like, yeah, a lot of guys shoot 180s, 190s nowadays, but like the amount of effort and time and luck that it takes to get a deer over 140 inches is yeah, crazy a lot of effort people don't people like to see the instagram post and think man that guy's got it nice but they don't see the hours and hours and hours and half your money that you spend on your paycheck that don't go to uncle yep. sam's the deer so, yep <laughs> yeah. yep but yeah you I mean like you said you had what'd you say you think you had 50 50 sits or 50 days on stand this year jeremiah yeah probably pretty close i know i hunted the last i hunted 15 of the last 17 days um every night um hunted, i hunted a ton this year just i always felt like we were in it we always had a buck to go after just just never really worked out i'd hunt a day after he showed up or a, yep. a day before 
this buck that I was hunting late season, I think one day he was showing up about every, he showed up bang mid the late November for the first time, thought nothing of it. He's a rub buck. He's a nice 10 pointer, probably 135, 145 inches in that ballpark. He's got a messed up left side that would knock him down some, um, obviously mature, big neck, big bodied, kind of a horse and always runs off other deer, but he would show up. Didn't think much of it. You know, Oh, we got a picture. Cool. Probably never see him again. Then we get to December, we start getting another picture and then another picture. And it's about every three to four days he's showing up and always in the same spot. Almost never in daylight, though, is almost always 20 minutes to 40 minutes after last shooting light. But, you know, I thought, well, as the weather gets colder, you know, he'll be forced to eat. He'll come out earlier. And I really thought, like, if you had asked me December 15th with the odds of me killing this buckler, I would have said, like, 80% chance. Like, this year is <laughs> And probably should have, um, in hindsight, he went through a stretch where it was every three days. And then all of a sudden he didn't show up for like 10 days. And so I had actually gone up for a new year's Eve thing. I hunted new year's Eve, didn't see anything, went up to Columbia, which is about an hour and a half. That's where I went to school at Mizzou. And so went up there for, uh, hang out with a couple of friends, did that next day. We kind of just watched football all day. Didn't really think anything of it. And sure enough, I got a picture about, I think it was one minute before shooting light. He shows up. So probably would have had a chance at him um we'll never know it was with a muzzleloader so probably would have <laughs> probably would have yeah <laughs> myself pretty hard and i said i'm not missing another day except for one day i'm missing one day because it's my grandma's birthday um she's 73 or four years old so 74 now 74 and so couldn't miss it she'd be disappointed it would break her heart if i missed her <laughs> birthday and we go hunting and i be damned if he didn't show up two hours before last light and just sat oh. out the line for probably two hours <laughs> and just well i mean he's walking i had this blind down we actually have a tower blind it's a power line cut and we have a tower blind at one end and a stand at the other it's about 300 yards across and he would never go in front of either so trade and i went down and popped up a pop-up blind down the bottom where it narrows down to about 20 yards and you have to use that it's the only way from one field to the other so it was like a perfect bench point, you know, chip shot, called everybody in. It's going to be a party. And I wasn't there. And he just sat in front of that blind forever. And it would have been like 15 yards. <laughs> oh, man. It was Thursday. So that was five days ago. And I hunted the next four days, like religiously <laughs> and toughed out all the cold. And sure enough, he didn't come. And so that's pretty much how it ended. So moral of the story is, is, you don't need friends or family. You just go hunting. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. I mean, great for us. You know, I'm sure you didn't feel so good about it during the time, but now that like my brain just goes to, do you think that deer was watching you? Like, is there any way maybe something weird I, like that? The only, only way in is just a crap ton of cedars and pine trees. Like you would have to get on your hands and knees and like army crawl through it. So where we think he's coming out, I don't think he would be able to see me. I wouldn't imagine. Um, but, I mean, you never know. Maybe I caught him on the edge of the field coming in a couple of times, and he just – I never saw him. But yeah. it's hard to tell. Typically, they don't bed where they'd be able to see you. Okay. It would be, so, we're actually getting ready to quit. It's about seven acres and just nothing but thick. So we're getting ready to cut it out and put in a big field. So Nice. 
Well, cool. I'm sorry you didn't get your deer this year and that you had to struggle right. through all that, but it's a good I story. Best cool. year ever, hunting wise, despite he still got a big deer. elk. He got the biggest elk. I mean, I yeah, we're gonna roll into this elk hunting thing because you uh you completely yeah, redeemed yourself with the elk. So we killed a lot of animals this year, I'll guarantee you that. Yeah, we did between <laughs> turkey. I think we killed like seven turkeys, two bears, three elk, some deer, pheasants, caught a sailfish. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's caught, right. Caught a barracuda, 57-inch barracuda. Wow. <laughs> So like kind of roll roll us into your your guys' approach with like hunting out of states because you're out of state because you guys travel like to you try to hit multiple states, you kind of do turkey hunting. Um you went out of state for pheasants, you've got an elk. Have you done mule deer too before or uh, uh, but nope. that's uh next on my list. I want to go to camps and hunt some crap. Hey, you want to do some deer. over the over the counter or I, kinda, I think you have to draw it, but it's a. Uh, Public land, Kansas, out in the plains, kind of mule deer hunting. Yeah, I want to try where you put the decoy on your bow and kind of do that stuff. But uh, turkey is where we initially dipped our toes in out-of-state hunting. Um, the first out-of-state hunt I ever did was um, a uh, Wyoming. Kind of. We used to go to Kansas every oh, year as yeah, kids besides, to pheasant hunt. Pheasant we didn't do the shooting because we were like seven. We were, we were basically bird dogs <laughs> and retrievers, even though we had bird dogs. It was always fun. So we used to do that for years. Um, then, like he said, last year we went to South Dakota. Well, um, my first one ever was Wyoming uh, turkey hunt, and I ended up I go I went with a buddy and some of his friends from Iowa, and that was my first out of state experience. Just like I think I was seventeen or eighteen at the time, and I was just a thrill. It was absolute adventure, you know. And I ended up killing a Merriam turkey, my first one on that trip, and then ever after that, we decided that. Me, Jeremiah, and Zeke, our buddy, we'd do an out-of-state South Dakota turkey hunt. And, uh, yeah, we did that last year. And for two, for three guys, we know absolutely nothing. At least two of us knew nothing yeah. about Merriam's turkeys, other than they have white-tipped feathers and they look cool. My passion's <laughs> always been turkey hunting. That's my, my I would give up all hunting for turkey hunting. Um, I think that might be the southern that hunter hurts. in me. That hurts me so much that you would do that, but... <laughs> I hear you talk a, about it. You hear you talk about it, dude. You're passionate about it. So I, I mean, I believe it wholeheartedly that you would give them stinking whitetail up to go chase those thunder chickens. Oh, whitetail is probably my top five, but it ain't even top two. <laughs> <laughs> he likes the elk more than whitetail. Yeah. I'm more of an active hunter. I don't like sitting still. I don't like if I'm going to be cold. I like to be cold on the move. But yeah, so we got in a, went out to South Dakota in the Black Hills, actually. So the mountain park, you know, where Mount Rushmore and uh crazy horse and all that stuff is and wild bill hickok and so we went out there we'd been out there on vacation but never actually hunted out there never I, seen a turkey out there yeah not even on vacation so, yeah, so we just heard we there just, was turkeys there yeah. and we wanted to try it we picked it <laughs> we thought it'd be cool We're like hey man it'd be awesome to go in that area and kill one not many people do it um true tags the draw is pretty easy i'm pretty sure it's guaranteed they have more allotments than they actually give out because nobody's really crazy enough to go on to hunt black hills turkeys um, most people want to hunt turkeys. It ain't going to be where the elevation's steep, but we decided to do it. We drove out there overnight, um, get, uh, rented an Airbnb just because Airbnbs are easier when you go on these out of state hunts because nobody likes to see you gutting deer or gutting turkey in the middle of a parking lot at a hotel. They might run into issues <laughs> depending on where you're at. So Airbnb is the way to go. If they don't know about it, I don't tell them where they're to hunt. We just go hunting. 
and uh, make sure we don't leave anything behind that might get us kicked out forever. So <laughs> we're in Airbnb, drove all night. You know, you can't check in until four. I text them ahead of time, like, hey, we're going to roll in at 8 a.m., take us a quick two-hour nap after driving 19 hours, and we're going to go hunting, like, immediately. And they're like, all right, cool, here's the code. You can come early and drop all our stuff off. I don't even think we slept during our nap. No, we didn't. I think we more just looked up maps. We were so amped to go. and We did a little bit of e-scouting, but to be honest, we had no idea what we were looking for. <laughs> um, we always heard that, you know, they like deciduous trees. Um, if you see elk, turkey are usually where elk are, and elk are usually where turkey or vice versa. Um, and so we really just started driving around looking for elk and looking for sign at all. And we get out, do a little oh, bit yelping. Um, didn't really strike anything up the first day. The first day was absolutely miserable. I bet we put in 150 miles just on these trails through through the park. I mean, you're talking a million, it's like roads. just over a million public land acres in this one park. And so from top to bottom, it takes us about an hour and a half to cover the whole thing. Just if you were just driving, not stopping. And we stayed on the north side, ended up finding turkeys on the south side, unfortunately. So every morning was about an hour and 15 minute drive. So first day we started in the north, we quickly realized like this place sucks. I read on a forum from like 2007 that there were some turkeys in the southern part. Like, man, I really hope they're still there. <laughs> so we drive down to the southern part and there, there's this lake system. It's called uh, Deer something lake or whatever. Um, didn't see any turkeys there. Trayton swears he saw a turkey flush out of the brush while we were driving. Up. We saw some feathers. We did find a turkey. So we got feather. out and we looked and so we found a couple feathers. So we're like, we all right, maybe, maybe you saw a turkey. We're you not. manifested some feathers is what you did. <laughs> so it was horrible. It was that was basically the end of the first day. Um, huh. I think we went to... No, that was, yeah, that was pretty much the end of the first day. Yeah, it was. So we drive back our hour and 15 minutes and... In case you don't know this about the West, the sun would set at about 9.15 p.m. And then it would be up at about 4.45 or 5 a.m. And you have an hour and 15 minute drive either way, plus getting ready. So you're Ooh. rocking three hours of sleep probably a night. Yeah. By the time you get back to your your Airbnb, or we stayed in a Rapid City. Or not Rapid City. No, we stayed in um, it was west of Lead. No, it wasn't Lead. Was it? Yeah, because yeah. we were west of Deadwood. And right. um, you get there, and there's, like, nothing open. There's a subway. We had a lot of subway. But there's a little <laughs> mart at the second day and grabbing some, you know, lunch meat and pack of cooler to bring with you because there is no coming back. You're in the mountains. There's yeah. no – you hop off to the Casey's real quick and go back out to the farm. No, so you're committed. You're grinding all day. They don't have a time limit on turkeys other than morning and evening. Yeah. They First light, last light. So – we go and second day we go to the spot where Trayton saw the feathers and didn't hear nothing. We sat there for about a couple hours Then we started driving across this field and there's little pockets of private land. And on this piece of private, there's like turkey. four gobblers. And a bunch <laughs> well, of there's turkeys. We finally and found they're them. like crazy. <laughs> so we get out where there's public and we rush up behind them, which is public. We try to call them up. They come up to about a hundred yards and then work back down to the hens thinking we'd follow them. And there's cattle fences in between us and the turkeys. Um, trying to call them up those past those cattle fences was not working. Yeah, and, so we ditched that effort pretty quick. Um, after getting frustrated, have to battle with the private land property lines and the public land property lines. I mean, it was yeah, 
these yeah, animals no way know, to get to those even turkeys. the dumb turkeys i think know where the private and the public is yeah we're, we're safe <laughs> health and stuff but i think even the turkeys have figured that out <laughs> so we drove over this piece that i just e-scouted and it wasn't far down, from that spot at all yeah either. it was maybe another mile and a half down the this dirt road and we get up there and we actually run into these two guys from iowa these two old boys they're probably in their 60s or 70s and we're like hey have you had their turkey hunting and so we stop and talk and like you guys had any luck they're like oh we got on one this morning around this area and couldn't really figure it out um they're like we've been coming here every year for eight years and we've killed one turkey i'm like well geez pete <laughs> we might be in the wrong spot <laughs> so we uh get down there and we start yelping and sure enough we strike up a gobbler on top of this ridge and so we get out we set up we got a couple decoys throw those decoys out Trayton's sitting behind us and um this bird he's about i don't know 100 and 150 yards away and he's just working this ridge you can see him back and forth strutting back and forth strutting and there's a lot of deadfall everywhere and so he would work his way in between it kind of like a jigsaw puzzle and i was like all right he's he's hooked now let's shut up he's coming he kept coming kept coming and he got to about 70 or 80 yards down into this meadow where we're at and all he has to do is cross the meadow to the decoys and these two whitetail come running right in front of us and spook him out he goes up the ridge and so then we do the whole dance again and he comes all the way back down and these two whitetail come back from the other side and he goes right back up the hill <laughs> and so now we're running into a, there's basically no light left so we throw together a hail mary we sprint across the meadow when he can't see us go up the hill get up there and he's already roosted so not gonna okay. shoot him not gonna yep. shoot him out of the rooster try to find his roost you can just hear him gobbling up there yep we mentally we mark that we're coming back first thing in the morning these guys from iowa we're beating these iowa boys we're beating we're them like early <laughs> and leaving these guys here because i don't know how many turkey are in this place but i know there's at least a couple in this region <laughs> yep <laughs> you're within yeah. a few miles at least from one <laughs> So we get there the next morning, we set up and we call and call and it sounds like he's right there. and He won't come down. Well, then another two of them start gobbling. And so then we're like, oh man, there's, there's a few of these birds or another one starts gobbling there. Play with those two together for a while. They don't really do anything. Won't come closer. Figure out why later um, that we did not understand about topography <laughs> when we got there that we probably should have, because it's not dissimilar. It's steeper than where we're from. We're in the Northern region, those are mountains. Um, so we understand ridge systems, but these are quite a bit steeper than ours. Um, we actually hear another, these birds shut up for like an hour, hear another bird. So we go, I don't know, we walk maybe 400 yards towards that bird. And then all of a sudden the ones we were on this morning start gobbling like crazy again. So we rip it back right to them. We, and we finally time, figure out that there we go closer to them. We're like, let's just go balls. We went on a different angle. We went mm. more below them and not kind of initially in the morning, we were set up kind of on the same ridge trying to call them on the same like elevation yeah yeah then we walked down that ridge towards those other birds well then when as we were coming back we we're in the bottom of the meadow and we can hear them just gobbling on top of the ridge so they're kind of just straight in front of us up the ridge and we're trying to call them down um yeah they weren't having it they were literally just strutting back and forth about 50 yards on the top of the ridge so when they'd go off one side it was so steep they'd gobble and you wouldn't hear them you wouldn't you'd hear them oh, yeah. And then they'd come back another only 50 yards, and you'd be like, man, they're right they're here. They're coming. <laughs> so finally, we got yeah. sick of this. We're going at them. Like, we we're decided. just bringing the fight to them. And we get up there, and our buddy Zeke goes, dude, I feel like this is going to be throw your things down and get ready kind of deal. Like, it's going to happen fast. 
And yeah. sure enough, you hear a gobble and we're like, oh crap, they're like right here. So I run behind a tree. Zeke gets behind me. I run Graydon's down the ridge. Back behind him. <laughs> and then I see two turkeys pop their head up. They end up being Jake's. And at this point, I do not care. Yeah, <laughs> who cares? These Jake's and, uh, were, uh, they were super Jake's. They were gobbling just like a normal yeah, gobble. Yeah, Jake's same. don't gobble. When they gobble no. here, it's like they're gargling gravel. Same and here up there, in Michigan, yeah. And out there, their gobblers do not gobble like ours. They sound like they're it's a really weak gobble mm. and most of their Mariams get beard rot and their beards rot off. So you can't look at that either. So you're mm. kind of like spurs is about spurs and tail. And, tail. <laughs> and they didn't strut and you can't see their spurs in the vegetation. So. Boom. <laughs> they have gobbling and they had beards. So we're shooting. Yeah. So there's two of them. So I actually turn around and you can see me on the camera, but I did like the two to my buddy. I'm like, there's two. Cause he's, gonna, I was like, you can come shoot one with me. And he just gives me a thumbs up and keeps sitting there. I'm like, what are you doing? There's two. And he, <laughs> he didn't know what I was saying, and he just kept giving me a thumbs up. Meanwhile, I'm down. down the ridge, and I'm I'm keeping them distracted, calling them down the ridge kind of yep. thing. And I see Jeremiah and them. I see them set up, and I can actually see the birds coming towards them. And um, this is when Jeremiah finally sees the one pop his head over the ridge. Yeah. And yeah. And then he, I just, they got behind a tree and I was waiting for them. They're both like right next to each other. I was like, don't want to kill both at the same shot. You only got one tag. And so eventually they finally got separated. They were like maybe 12 yards and I let them have it. And he folded. And then I turn around to my buddy and I'm like, there's two. Get up here. <laughs> <laughs> and he finally gets it. And he runs up there, gets his gun. He starts waylaying this bird, misses. It runs, it misses again, and then this thing takes off full sprinting through the trees. And about 50 yards, he lets his last shell eat, and he just drops it. What? <laughs> oh, like, oh, it's Vietnam on the top of this ridge. The old so, Iowa boys, the old Iowa boys, like, what are going on with those dudes from Missouri? Yeah, like, come on. on the way out. <laughs> yeah, we ended up seeing them on the way out, and they're like, did you guys hit anything? We're like, yeah, we got two of them. <laughs> Like we've been here for two days and got two birds. You've been here for eight years and got one. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, and oh, we were great. We had no expert. We were like, if one of us kills a bird, this is a good trip. So yeah, I double up with my best friend and trading, watching. That was he and called I, them in. So I'd already killed the Merriam, so I was going to let them get their shot at a Merriam. And we ended up getting rained out the last couple of days for when I had a chance. So I decided to go to the casino and ended up winning my money. <laughs> Ended up winning my money back for my tag on blackjack. There you so, go. There you so go. I paid yeah, for my tag. Pretty piss poor weather the rest of the time, but that's really rain. what got us hooked on out of state. So ever since then, I said I'll go on an out of state hunt every year. Um, yeah. Going to the fall last fall was my first ever elk hunt. Me and my dad went out, and we both shot elk, um, and that kind of got me hooked. I like this fall, but. Elk hunting is like turkey hunting on steroids. I mean, I love turkey hunting. The calling factor, they're the coolest looking animal to me. And the bugle is probably the most insane sound in the natural world to me. I just, that bugle, especially first thing in the morning, it gets your heart racing pretty quick, especially at 50, 60 yards. It can get going. Yeah, that's so cool. Uh, have you, you bow hunt or have you bow hunted for elk or are you guys just gun hunt? Just gun hunted. Um, we're going to do another gun hunt this year. And then I think, 2025 i'm gonna try to i actually might have enough points to draw to go with trey out in wyoming in 2025 Ooh, that'd be sweet i'll bring the bow out there but yeah we first ever elk hunt we grinded we didn't hardly see any elk the first couple of days and then 
in all kinds of elk, just never saw the one we were after. And I was being a little bit picky because we're on a guided hunt. You know, there are, my dad's been out there before. He knows the quality of animals. He ended up shooting one in the last 20 minutes of light. Not unlike my bear hunt. <laughs> yeah, I like to wait for the last minute. Yeah, you do. Luckily this year when I went elk hunting, I shot one in the first two hours. So I had four days of doing nothing <laughs> but going with Trayton and dad. So. But what yeah. was your so what did you end up shoot tell us to kind of walk us through quick your your elk that you shot from this year yeah 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 so this year all three um, of us were able to go this year. yeah we all three win yes yeah, right okay is that, the, is that the first time right that's the first time you've hunted training then for elk elk hunted you know because i had uh, baseball in the fall and i just never could able to make it out there um so this is the first year i was able to go elk hunting so it was i was definitely pumped up and uh, we went out there, and I just, I didn't have too high of expectations, but uh, Jeremiah killed his in the first couple hours. I was like, geez, Pete. Yeah, we <laughs> were doing pretty good hunt. Did not expect that, especially the way my hunts go. But we got there. We hunted with a guy named Jay. Um, it's in Kim, Colorado, southeast. So you're about 20 minutes from New Mexico, 30 minutes from Oklahoma, and about 40 minutes from Texas. So well, it's not really – when you think Colorado elk, it's not the big yeah. mountain more desert it's, more it's mesas and... can it can look like the most boring landscape of all time there's nothing but plains and then all of a sudden you drop into a 200 foot canyon with all these junipers and mm. these this oak brush and pinion pines and stuff and so that's kind of the layout of it so it's not exactly what people think when they think colorado oak um first morning i hunted with a guy named johnny hamilton um it's actually jay's best friend he actually guides Cam Haynes on some of his elk hunts and mountain lion hunts. So did not yeah, know that cool. in a truck. And he's like, you heard of Cam Haynes? I'm like, well, I am alive. And yeah. I hunt. So, yeah I <laughs> yes. I like to shoot my bow. So yes, I know Cam Haynes. <laughs> I don't like to run in lifting, but I'm definitely down for the bow part. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So we're hunting with him and you're just shooting the crab. And I really expect pretty much day one, you're just glassing, you know, trying to find, something that you're wanting to go after. Um, and I mean, first light, like we are 10 minutes into legal light and we see a nice five by five bull. Um, being my second year, it's just not something I wanted to go after. Um, but we did make a mental note of it because it would be a fantastic bull for Trayton's first bull. Um, way bigger than my first bull. So we decided, you know, he said we can do better than that. It's day one. We're 10 minutes into a one week hunt, five days. So let's give it a pass. We know where it's at um drive around do some glass and don't see a whole lot for the next about hour um and then we get up on top of this mesa and he glasses a bull i end up never really seeing it um it's about two miles away as the bird flies and he glasses him up which is crazy to think you can see animals from that far um especially coming from the midwest where you're talking on our 200 300 yards is a long shot mm -hmm. clearly know what you're looking at without binos and out there, there he's got the spot and scope, and I got the binos out. He spots them, and he just gets a glimpse of him going into some trees, and was looked like he was after some cows because this is during the rut, late into the rut, and he's coming out of this alpha alpha field, this farmer planted, and I was like, well, is he nice? And he goes, he's nice enough. We ought to go take a look at him. He goes, I could see his antlers from two miles, so he's not small. <laughs> Something. <laughs> oh so, yeah definitely take a look so we drive about a mile closer and then we got about a mile stock um we kind of way this works is there's a bunch of fingers into these 
fields from these canyons. And so you kind of have to hop these fingers. You're up and down, up and down. You don't want to go out in the field because most things can see into the field. Mm-hmm. Got to keep the wind. You're always checking wind out there because it might be a north wind, but you get down in them slots and it could be a south wind quick. So kind of difficult to uh, check on that and you kind of hope for the best. So wind was perfect. He ended up actually having a bog tripod that we stopped to get set up for my rifle. Um, I had a bipod to use, but it's not tall enough to use standing. And usually when you're on the run, you're probably going to be shooting standing. Um, and I don't really want to freehand, <laughs> so not that good at that. Um, so we get up there and then we're walking through. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's on the other side of this point. And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's where we saw last saw him too. And we had him marked on the map. So we're looking at Onyx the whole time walking in. And we get right where we think we're about to hump over the hill. And all of a sudden, I see legs behind a juniper. And my like, oh, stop. I'm like, there's an elk right here. And we get my gun ready. And we're not sure what it is. All we see is brown legs. And so it walks out. It's a cow. I'm like, all right, it's a cow. And so we get ready to start walking again. I take maybe two steps. And I hear something to my right behind the cow. I look. And all I see is antlers above a juniper just coming through. I can't see his body. I just see antlers. And they're probably 70, 60, 70 yards. Wow. And so I'm like, oh, he's right here. And he's like, let's get up here. And I'm like, all right. I was like, no, I can see him perfectly. If he comes out of the street, I can smoke him right here. And he happens to stop with just his head and his antlers out from behind the tree. That's all I can see. The only shot I have would be in the neck. And I'm not going to, that's not a shot I'm wanting to take. Um, so I get on him. He's the way this tree kind of curves and you could see his chest under the tree like that. So I was like, well, maybe if I get low enough to the ground, I'll be able to shoot under that tree get some vitals. So I get down with my bipod then still can't see him. Still can't see him. I'm like, all right, let's just let him walk. He finally walks out and I'm like, stop him. I don't know what to do. So I just met. <laughs> yeah. instinct. <laughs> he just rips a bugle like right in our faces. And then I just smoked him and we're actually so close. The bullet did not hit a single bone. It went straight through double lung, didn't hit a rib. So it zipped through him. So you couldn't even hear the impact. Yeah, I usually get that kind of like the boom, kind of the echo of the impact. And there was none of that. I just zipped right through him so close. And he looks at me. I look at him. He goes, I don't know. And I go, well, I didn't miss. It's 60 yards. (laughs) 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 And so we get up and run around this juniper and he collapsed right in front of us, probably 40 yards in front of us. And wow. Two hours into the hunt. So we drove 15 hours out there so I could hunt two hours. Yeah. Well, my elk hunt was quite opposite because as, <laughs> as he's seen all these elk and killing elk within the first couple hours, dad and I are together. Dad wanted to go with me and to see me kill my first elk and we're grinding it out. I mean, we're driving up and down these ridges, driving to new properties, trying to find a, hear a bugle, see an elk, just see an elk. I didn't see an elk until <laughs> the second day or the second day I went with them. Second day and he came. I saw three bulls and they didn't see any of them. Yeah, they were I'm so like, far they're, off. They're about two and a half miles, and one of them, I mean, is a giant. Like we're talking 340 yeah. class bull. And, which out there is mega. And that was in the <laughs> evening. So we were gonna go back there in the morning and make a play there. Um but it was on some neighboring property that he didn't have access to. So we decided to go check out this new area. He got some trail camera pictures of an elk that night and this other farm with some uh, alfalfa fields in the bottom and a canyon on top. And he got pictures of the elk and the alfalfa field at night. 
So we go there and like first thing off the bat, like we see these elk. Yeah, as wide as we drive in through the, the gate, we spot two bulls going up this hill towards the top of the, the mesa. And um, we drive down the canyon, just checking all the alfalfa fields, see if any bulls are still lingering out there. And there weren't. So um, we noted where that we saw those elk going up. And we decided to go back up there and go up to the top, see if we can get on them. Um, as we were going around the around the canyon, we go around this finger that comes out. We see another bull, another two bulls. Or not for those samples. Same. We we didn't see any elk first thing. We checked no, all the saw, fields. He saw an elk when he uh -huh. first walked in. And then we came back around and I saw two bulls and they were moving up on top of the canyon and they sat there forever behind two trees. I mean, I could see the tips of their antlers. We know if the antlers are taller than the trees, then they're at least worth a look. They may not be big, but yeah, Train so got to look at them or I guess your tag, <laughs> it's your call. We going after these bulls or what? <laughs> we're, there, we're just sitting there in the can-am that's how you get around the country and i'm looking yeah. at these bulls and i'm like yeah those are big enough i'd go at and jay our guide's like well do you think you could sneak out of the can-am and like get a shot off like sneak down there and get a shot off from like this cover and this brush and i was like i don't know i think like they're just looking at the can-am and i think if i move anything you know it's kind of like if you're driving by deer okay but as soon as yep. you get up they're off so we just let them continue to work their way up without risking spooking them. And we make our way up to the top. And uh, I'm getting pretty excited because I just saw my first elk. <laughs> <laughs> we did hear a bugle the second night. So I got to hear a bugle. This is the third morning. And uh, we go up to the top. And uh, we're just going to walk down this ridge slowly. And cow call a couple times and see if we can... He had marked it on the map. We started off probably like a thousand yards from the mark on the map. So we're going to, as we get closer to that mark, then we're going to stop and do some cow calling. So we get to maybe, I don't know, a hundred yards from the mark and our guide's like, well, let's stop here by this juniper and I'm going to cow call a couple of times. So I've been down I get the tripod ready and get my gun on the tripod just in case, you know, and I'm kind of in low spirit. Like we just saw elk, but I'm also like, and this hunt's been tough. Like these he elk aren't gonna come. <laughs> he never elk on it. He doesn't understand how fast they can go from nothing to something really quick. You know, it's kind of like hunting. Like all you need is spark one up, and if you spark one up, they're coming. Like you yeah. just like they'll be there, and they're big. They cover ground pretty quick. That was my thing. Like they cover a lot of ground relatively quick. Oh yeah, that'll be a mile, and I mean less than a minute. I mean they're just wow. Falling. So I'm it's sitting crazy. there and Jay, he hits the cow call a couple of times and he's like, point this direction. That's where I think they'll come from. So I have the gun set up there. He cow calls and it was probably like 20 seconds after he cow call. I look off to the right a little bit, like probably 50 yards to the right of where I set up. And I just see three elk pop out of the junipers. I'm like, there's elk right there. And they're like, <laughs> where? I'm like, right there. <laughs> and then they're at like 80 yards. And I'm like, so I'm picking, I'm like, which one's the biggest one trying to figure out. And there's this one, he has a real unique rack. He's like super wide for compared to all the other elk that were with him, the two others. And he's clearly the biggest bull of the group. I mean, he's not a giant, but a really good bull for my first bull. And uh, Jeremiah has the video camera with me now. He's done hunting. So this is all on camera. And oh, sweet. Uh, these elk come in single file. And the biggest one is in the middle. And um, as they're coming, they're stopping, like staring at us. They can hear Jay. He's cow calling and he stops and shuts up. And they're just trying to figure out where this cow is at because it's 
they kind of came out of the cover into the open. We're in the open, just kind of tucked up against this small bush. And they're looking, where's this cow at? Where's this cow at? So he starts to, he squeaks off another soft cow call and they move a little bit, a couple steps. And then he's just frontal at me the whole time though. And I'm like, this is my first time elk hunting, you know, mm -hmm. white tail hunters, we don't usually take frontal shots. Um, mm -hmm. at least um, they would have to be perfect conditions for me to even consider a frontal shot. So Jay is talking to me through where to aim for this frontal shot because I had never done it. And yeah, like it's a giant, like they're so big. It's like, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm two inches too far one way. And you just burn down the side or miss everything. Like, yeah, you're not familiar with shooting elk. You hit their brisket, it ain't going nowhere. And this is. Unfortunately, I added that two years ago. Right. Shot on the mm -hmm. brisket. So I was kind of weary of that, knowing that my dad had tried the frontal shot and shot too low. Um, so Jay's talking me through it. And I mean, this is probably like a four minute standoff. I'm like just sitting like crisscross applesauce. <laughs> my, uh, my, uh, my legs are starting to fall asleep. And I'm like, I really, really trying to wait for a broadside shot. I don't want to take this frontal shot unless I absolutely have to. Well, it's getting to yeah. the point where my legs are starting to hurt. And I'm like, I'm going to have to shoot or move or do whatever to get this elk killed. And I didn't want to move and spook him. So I was like, all right, Jay, this is where I need to aim, right? And he's like, right. Just, I was like, all right, you guys ready? And everybody was like, okay. And I squeezed off the trigger. And I shot. And elk just folded right there in his track. Oh, man. <laughs> so that was awesome. For, for yeah, Jay talked me through that frontal shot. And it just did a hammer on him. So, I mean, I was really pumped up, gave my dad a big hug and told him thank you. And uh, it was awesome to have Jeremiah there and uh, get it on camera. So definitely That's sweet. Definitely yeah. memories that we'll have forever. And yeah. then uh, came out later that evening and cruise around just looking for data bull and happened upon a nice six by six with big flares. And he had a harem of 15 cows and dad shot him off the rim of a canyon. We got it all on video. It's pretty cool. He's just hanging off a cliff basically like a sniper and he's yeah, all, he's, on, he's shooting down this canyon at a steep angle i think it's like 370 330 adjusted with elevation like it is steep and yeah. shoot he's actually in this pond this mucky pond and we're like don't shoot him in there wait till he gets out all right all right cool he gets out and he shoots him i mean he eats the first bullet like it's nothing like he just stands there like what the heck was that and then he shoots him again and he still just stands there well, then he starts to tip over and he falls just right back into the pond. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up being completely submerged. And we had to build a little bridge out of rocks around there to get close enough just to throw a lasso around him with a rope and rope him out of there. And we pulled him up and there's just moss all over his antlers. So we're actually taking him to Old Barn. He's dropped off there and we're going to get him shoulder mounted with some moss hanging off his right side. Oh, sweet. That'll be pretty. It was definitely... They're slow on turn quick, really fast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Day. So mm. we spent the next day just bear hunting because we had we yeah. bought bear. We got out there, like, well, it's bear season. He goes, you guys want some bear tags? We're like, so, well, how much are you? He's like, oh, like seventy five bucks. We're like, so, oh yeah, we'll throw. He's on like, a bear I've tag. seen some bears running around, so we're last, like, just in case. I went out yeah. last year with him, and uh, we actually saw two black bears um, while we were hunting, so we knew they were out there. And that second morning, we actually saw a bear track in the road, came back and there was bear scat where we were parked. So we knew it a bear had been there while we were looking out for elk. So yeah. That's cool. Didn't see any bears though, but it was still fun to yeah, you know, just kind of enjoy the last day and 
go out there and still hunt and enjoy the countryside. But, uh, yeah. So on my elk hunt, I felt like uh, Nate does when he's bear hunting. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. First yeah. night, baby. Do a four day vacation. The rest yeah, of the that time. way. Yep. That's exactly what happened. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> that pretty much. But yeah. That was so that kind of wrapped up your and then you guys went to Iowa and did the pheasant hunt, which sounds like you guys have done that quite a bit. Yeah, our you know, cousins are all from Iowa, so they're from Big Buck Country. Actually, I killed a turkey in Iowa this spring, and 200 yards from where I killed that turkey, his buddy killed a 216-inch buck. Wow. On that same property. That's cool. <laughs> that so, sounds uh, like Iowa. It's yeah, like it's <laughs> he's got a picture of him and his buddies in one season in like three one weekend. They've got nine deer all over 170 between the wow nine of them. So him and his buddies do the deer drives and they do some box line hunting. This yeah. buddy that killed the big buck, he's a religious bow hunter. I mean, he doesn't let anybody hunt his place. Yeah. But we noticed I went up there for turkeys, and here turkey hunting is like sacred. Like you don't get permission to turkey hunt. It's like a good crappie hole. Like yeah. someone's they're not telling you about it <laughs> unless you're really close to them and. uh we went up there and those guys, those big ag farmers, they there, hate them. <laughs> kill them. We'd yep. call a guy and he'd be like, we got turkeys out in your field. He's like, kill all of them. I don't yep. care. That's how and, it is around here too. Like for me, like turkeys, like I could care less about turkeys. It's fun to go with, like with Henry, but we don't wake up early. We go at night, you know, afternoon, we get a pizza, go sit in the blind, eat some pizza, crank on the call. Like, oh, there's some Jake's over there. And then he's wow. like, dad, call him in. I'm like, dude, I can't call to save my life. Like, it's got to be like perfect scenario for one to run in. Yeah, so, but, so we get up early, travel, go out of state. Yeah, well, this uh, year, you until this year, this is the first year in Missouri, you can actually hunt past 1 p.m. So typically okay. it's only morning hunting. Okay. Um, unless for you season. This year, they're allowing it. So we'll see how that affects only them. Only on private land, though. So okay. And you still have the 1, 1 p.m. cutoff. But we'll yeah. Like Iowa was a bit different. I hunted three days there got into all kinds of birds never got it done i always we always joked about being from big timber country like how hard is it to kill an ag bird i mean they you know where they're roosting mm -hmm. there's only so many trees i didn't take into consideration when they come out of the roost 200 yards in the middle of a cut cornfield it's really difficult to yep. get across the cut cornfield without being spotted yep so i ended up hunting last day it sleeted hailed snowed and rained on me it was like 31 degrees. I army crawled about 150 yards, soaking wet, and finally shot this bird. <laughs> and that's pretty much started our Iowa hunt. And uh, he said, you know, y'all, we like to pheasant hunt. You ought to come back. And we hadn't pheasant hunted since we were probably 13 out in Kansas. And that's one of my dad's big passions. We have bird dogs, and we quail hunt around here. So we're like, yeah, sure. And went up there, and that was a blast. I mean, if people haven't ever upland bird hunting, they need to try it because they're missing out. Just mm -hmm. if you're special, kind of like a, you can talk. You don't have to real be real quiet. Yep. Sense not a big deal. The you know, you get to watch the, the dogs yep. work. It's fun. Everybody's shooting, having a good time. Yep, razzing each other, laughing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't believe you missed that. And oh, then you go miss one right after. Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, it's just it's a, a blast. So that was awesome. And then that's the only cool. other out of state one we did was the bear hunt, and you kind of know how that went. So. Yep. Yeah, you guys, that's pretty, I just, I like your guys' story, you know, you guys are a family, you, you know, you guys are, you're, you're younger, you're younger than me, you know, you're in your early 20s, so, like, you're starting out doing this stuff at age, and you get to do it with your dad, and have that, that's a pretty cool bond, you know, you guys get to do, and it's, uh, I, you know, I get to experience it with my family, you know, gun hunting usually, and then me and my dad have been out of state hunts, and it's really hard to explain, 
it until you do it. But being there and doing the fist bump with your dad or your brother and, you know, sitting, like you said, you get the videotape, your brother shooting, like shooting that elk was probably like the whole time you're sitting there, just, you're just as jacked as him, you know, like you're just like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's actually 10 minutes, not four minutes standoff. Seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's I just looked at the video just to make sure. I was like, I think it was a lot longer than that. So what's your, you know, you kind of talked about you might go to chase a mule deer or are you going to do whitetail in the plains or mule deer in the plains? And yeah, yeah, so this year we got a big year scheduled. We got um, our first out of the country hunt coming up. Oh, we're going, yeah, that's right. Going with old Dougie to Africa. Nice. So, try oh, you're out. going the week, you're going the week he's going to do it? Yeah. Yeah. So we were going to go with Eric the week Eric was going, and then Ashley can't get the time off for work. So then there was like, oh, you might be able to go with Doug, but then that date didn't work either. We almost went the same week Doug was going. So we could have went into Africa with each other, yeah, too. That would have been hilarious. We had planned on going in 25 because we are just like, my best friend's a teacher. He wasn't sure he could swing the money. You know, it's only yeah. his second year teaching, and they don't make a buttload of money. They're definitely mm-hmm. doing it for the love of the game. And so we we're like, oh, we'll just do a 25. Well, my sister or our sister is a big barrel racer, huge into it. She's actually turning 18 next December and she'll get her pro PRCA card. And she's good enough to make the NFR in Vegas. So she won't have time to go. And she wants to go as a, her and my yeah. mom don't, they would love to go to Africa and, you know, see the animals and that kind of stuff. Um, they're not against hunting. They just don't partake in it. Our yeah. sister missed the turkey on purpose twice when she was a kid because you want to kill it. <laughs> I was like, well, you could have told us and we would have shot it. <laughs> yeah, we would have shot it for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we moved. Doug had reached out to us, I think, in not too long after our bear hunt and asked about it. And we were like, no, we can't do it this year, but we're definitely doing it next year. He's all right, cool. And then we found out this um, three or four months ago and we called him back and I was like, hey, if those spots are available, we'll take them. Because I think it's me, Trayton, our dad's going, my best friend's going, and then his dad's also going. So Sweet. we got a whole plan going. So it ought to be a blast. Nice. Um, environment. So got that yeah, plan. Um, that should be fun. We're going to go to the clinic um, here in a couple weeks. Just to, We went last year. That's kind of how we got into it. Really felt our um, – got our feet wet and kind of learning about it. You know, it's kind of like they say, you, you think Africa is like – this far away goal, like, oh, you got to be like Trump rich or something. You got to mm-hmm. have billions to go. Like it's $30,000 an animal and they break it down. I mean, it's, it's cheaper than our Colorado elk hunts and yep. we're five animals. And that's not a joke at all. <laughs> like, like being an hundred percent honest there, uh, it's barely more expensive than the bear hunt. We went on in Wyoming. It's about a thousand dollars more. Yeah. So for the value you're Which getting, me and Ashley, you're yeah. And yeah, for the five animals that you get to kill, I mean, versus like the one bear, or the one elk, I mean, you're yeah. definitely getting something for your buck. Yeah. And you know, it's like the whole experience is like another thing. Like, like you can spend, you can go on a vacation and get sunburned and spend more money than that really quick, you know, and you don't you really have money. all these other things, you know? Yeah. You want to waste money? Just go to Disneyland. You don't even get to bring nothing home. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, yeah, so we got that planned. Um, I'm at, me and my buddy are guaranteed draws for a Kansas whitetail tag this year, so we will be drawing our archery tags I would and spending a lot of weekends in Kansas. Um, plan on going there. Do what? Three points? Three points or two points? Um, it is one point guaranteed draw, so 
and okay. most and uh, most units are guaranteed draw no matter what with no points but in the southeast south central kansas range it's one to two points to draw okay is one um so we'll be drawn there and we're actually going scouting there here next month about president's day weekend just hopefully there's some snow we can see some tracks and find some sheds mm -hmm. a lot of walk-in areas out there and there's not a there's a lot of public but there's a ton of just farmers putting in walk-in areas which for missouri that's like that's not a thing so that's unheard yeah. of so we're going to test the waters with that and you know there's a lot of they say there's these pockets of a guy's got 40 acres in walking area and that gets overlooked because you know you're coming out of state you're like i don't yep. want to hunt four acres but you know we're going to go out there and see if some of those little honey holes don't have some antlers in them on the ground and yep. probably go back in the summer and glass bean fields and see if we can't spot something worth going after um Wheat. like he said we put in for our iowa tags for turkey so hopefully we draw those again um we just bought mine today so nice. that's a draw again that's not guaranteed first season is almost guaranteed because no one puts in for it well this year the way it worked out we had to put in for second season so mm. may or may not, it's like a 93 percent chance draw so hopefully we both draw It'll be terrible if only one of us <laughs> yeah <laughs> then uh after africa open our season opens here the 15th in september for whitetail um then we got another elk hunt we're going on um, in Colorado, same place. Then we come back, it'll be the rut. And then I actually booked a mountain lion hunt with Trey last summer. So I'll, in December, I'll be going mountain lion hunting out there with Trey. Neat. And Trayton and Dad are seeing if they can book the week after me to go. Because he only takes two at a time. And so I let them go yep. together and go the first week and test it out, see how it is. Get the, I'll get the pick of the litter. Hopefully. Yeah, you'll be a, you'll be like the free guide though. You'll be like a free guide. Like, oh, I know how to do this, guys. Just follow. Yeah, me. I think I'm gonna work it out so I don't have to drive. I'm just gonna fly in. Oh he can yeah. Pick me up and I'll just if I kill one, I'll be like, they can take it to the back service. I don't have to drive. Yep. Oh, yep. They take care of it. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, cool. So, that sounds like a great 2024. The out of state stuff's not as unreachable as most people think it is. It does take a lot of time. I mean, I keep a spreadsheet right now. I do all my own points and draws and. Yeah. That takes a little bit of effort on finding out when deadlines are. That's probably the hardest part, to be honest, yeah. is and making sure to change those. Because some of like right now, Arizona elk points are open and so are tags. So if you wanted to draw Arizona, it closes, I think, the beginning of February. So you got to stay on top of that where other states elks are all the way out to May. Yeah. And so I have a spreadsheet, keep track. It's It can get pricey depending on what you're putting in for. Um, and what type of hunts you're going on. Obviously, guided hunts are going to be a little bit more expensive. But as you well know, you've been on guided hunts. You can spend a lot more money going on over the counter and never kill anything. Yeah. Uh, we know guys that have, I know a couple guys that have been to Colorado for years and they've never killed an elk and they could have paid for two guided hunts by the time it's all yep. said and done and they could have killed two elk. And they might have even learned enough doing those two years that they could do over the counter by themselves yeah. later. That's yeah. kind of our goal um, yeah. is to learn. I'm always asking questions. Um, if you ever have a guide that gets annoyed with you asking questions, you should probably find a different one. Yes. <laughs> a lot like your taxidermist or a barbershop or a tattoo shop. You know, find someone you like that's willing to answer your questions. Do it mm -hmm. the way you do it. And if you pay attention, I mean, most of it you can learn just watching or saying, hey, yep. why do you do that versus this? And how does the wind and the thermals matter a ton out here more than they do? Mm -hmm. West Midwest is a lot flatter. Thermals do matter deer hunting, but 
when you're talking a 1% grade, I mean, we're not, not getting too heavy into thermals other than they rise and fall. Yeah. In the mountains, they'll blow your head off almost, you know, like you'll be like, what in the world was that? And like, oh, that's just a thermal pool. It's like, geez. Yeah. Yeah, It's a different animal. Yeah. That, uh, Wyoming was my first experience with like, not even high country, but it's high country for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Definitely. I would recommend getting in better shape if I, (laughs) when I go back. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Ever since we did the South Dakota thing, our goal is to do at least one trip a year. Um, it's feasible if you can save the money. Um, it's basically like our vacation. We're about, I'm single, so don't have much to spend my money on other than myself. So yep. don't have don't have anybody else I got to worry about other than me. And you know, you put a little money here, or there, and you you can make it work. If and I don't think anybody would ever regret going on out of state hunts. I never no. have. Um, even if you don't get anything, I mean, it's just a blast to be there. Obviously, you want to go home with something. That's the end goal, but you got to take it for what it's worth. I mean, it's hunting. Don't go out to these guides and expect to, like, shoot immediately or shoot the world's biggest animal. Like, it's still hunting. Um, mm-hmm. They don't – they're yeah. not pinned up. Not them tied to a tree ready for you to get there. But you still – you might get bad weather, and that is what it is. But that's just something you got yeah. you got to understand. You can't kill them two yeah, hours think- in every Every time I was just gonna say, yeah, you can't kill a giant one two hours in. No, I think uh I think it's a very good point you made, you know, with the the financials to it. Like I used to I mean, you can pick up a little side job through the summer maybe and just save and maybe do a little sacrifice. Like, hey, we gotta like I think the one time I looked at something and I was like, Oh, if I do this and this, that's like fifty dollars here, hundred dollars here, and you do that for a few months. It's like, dude, I got there's my tag, you know, like my my tag right there. And then and then like you said, like if you have a credit card, maybe use a credit card a certain way to like gain your bonus points. And then you just save those and like, Oh, there's my fuel to get out there. You know, there's all these things you can do if you just put forth the effort and you could have a lot of fun for like, doesn't really affect you financially. You know, you just, you got to plan for it and do that kind of thing. So I do yeah. like that a lot. You just got to get a plan together. I mean, it's definitely not something you're just going to decide on a Tuesday. You're going somewhere. Yeah. Um, Every year, I just recently did it. In January, I have a budget. I pretty much run through for the year, you know, put in your set expenses. You, I have a generalized idea because I keep track of it every year in my Excel um, of what points cost and what each state license costs. Because some states like Arizona, you have to buy the license to get the point. And yep. then there's states like Iowa, you don't have to have a license to get the point. You can just buy the point. Yep. And so, yeah, you I love that. and so I know going into the year what it's going to cost, where I need to. I would recommend everybody look at your subscriptions because I guarantee a ton mm-hmm. of people have some subscriptions. I canceled two a couple weeks ago that I was like, I haven't used that app in probably five months. Yep. I, I can live without it. That's yep, exactly. Didn't even think about, you know, little ways to save, you know, maybe yeah, you only, only much. get YouTube TV when it's football season and then cancel it for the rest of the year. You know, <laughs> or your, your buddy gets YouTube TV and you split the cost. Yep, of exactly. <laughs> five different devices at the same time. Yep. Yeah. There's ways around that stuff. And I do think for me and Ashley though, we're going to try to go uh, on either a spot and stock mule deer hunt or whitetail hunt in South Dakota this year. I got oh, a buddy was... that's out there. He does. Um, he's got like a lodge and he's got like a bunch of land that he's got access to. So, I texted him today and hopefully can figure out, figure out some, uh, some dates that we can get set up. And I don't, I think the one area you have a chance at either, or I think that tags good for either or. So there's, we're going to be opportunistic. Like you said, like 
you can't go out to one of these things and be like, oh man, I'm going to hold out for a, you know, if it's a whitetail hunt, you're not, you're not like I'm shooting a booner, booner bust, you know, like that's yeah. such an unrealistic More thing. Price. Like granted, there's a lot of, don't, don't be surprised if you get home eating tag soup. I mean, yep. by all means, your standards high. Um, especially the more you go out somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but also don't be upset when you spent three to five thousand dollars and you don't kill anything. But that's yeah. that's the, the game. It's part of the journey, you know, that's part of the process. And when you guys have you look back and you say, Hey, we went remember we went and shot three elk, you know, and that and did that as a group, like that's such a special moment because it doesn't happen all the time. And that makes sure. it that makes it feel that good. Definitely yeah. the South Dakota turkey hunt. I mean, we were just twenty year olds going out there doing it ourselves. I mean, that'll be a hunt that you know, me and my brother and our buddy Zeke will talk over coffee when we're eighty years old. Yep. You know, yeah, laughing that's... at the diner. We'll be like, remember when we in South Dakota and did all this crazy stuff? Yeah, and that's know? a hunt you do for a couple hundred bucks. I mean, it's over exactly. the county. You spend your gas getting out there, which. At the time, gas wasn't that bad. I don't know that I'd recommend it in today's climate. Maybe you ought to get a smaller <laughs> car than an F two fifty. Yep. So <laughs> gas. I would gas definitely. Gear. I would definitely recommend if you're wanting to get into out of state hunting to go with the turkey route. I mean, you know, it's cheaper tags. You kind of get an idea of what it's going to take, and yeah, dip your toes in the water, water for sure. Exactly. And you can deer scout while you're out there. We were in. Turkey hunting, and I'll tell you, I, right now I saw the biggest bull of my life in velvet while we were turkey hunting. I mean, he was a giant. Um, not fully developed, obviously, because it's it was the end of May, but enough that you could tell this thing was. Yeah. It's also in a state park, so or public land. I think only residents can draw tags there, and there's like only a handful of them. So, but we counted. I bet we saw 130 whitetail a day, and I'm not even. That's no exaggeration. Really. On the black like tails. insane amounts of white tails. We saw rub lines that were they'd battle with you know your Midwest rub lines like yeah, who's uh who hunts the black hills? Is it Buckstorm? Storm guys, yeah. Yeah. On residence, you can get a rifle tag out there, but you can't get an archery. But you can almost hunt it like you're hunting elk because it's it's more that terrain. You're not yeah. probably gonna stand hunt a ton, but especially the rifle out there, you could easily go out there and hunt that and there's opportunity out there. I mean, well, we might have to collaborate on a we might have to collaborate on a Black Hills hunt sometime. Oh, for I'd sure. be down. I mean, if you guys got some Michigan <laughs> turkeys you're trying to get rid of, I'd definitely be down. Absolutely. <laughs> you can well, you, as long I, as you I, let, I, let Henry. I'd like to kill a turkey in the 49 states they got them, every state but Alaska. Yeah. So that's my hunting goal right That'd now. Be sweet. But um, that's a and we don't do only guided hunts, so I don't want people out there thinking you know you got to spend twenty thousand dollars a year because you don't we typically this is the first year we're ever doing more than one um and so typically the rest are over the counter i mean our kansas hunt will be over the counter public land or walk on private if i get lucky my dad does know some guys that used to live in they still live in kansas that he hunted deer hunted in the 90s and might reach out to those guys and get lucky you never know yeah knock on some doors yeah knock on some doors you never know <clears throat> that's cool high hopes and low expectations that's my yep that's my philosophy we knocked on doors <laughs> in south dakota too <laughs> yeah we didn't get permission but uh we knocked on some doors <laughs> yeah nothing wrong with that i mean when i went pheasant hunting in north dakota i've been there twice i got access to so much property it was unreal you know this was eight years ago seven years ago 
I was like your guys' age, and I, uh, yeah, I. They were like, oh, if you want a rifle, you can deer hunt too. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, you can. It's like this person would have like five thousand acres. Like, yeah, you can. If you want to bow hunt, you can bow hunt. I have gun hunters coming in in like a week or something. But as long as you're not here when they're gun hunting, you can bow hunt all this. And I remember we'd walk in there and like we jumped up. I saw the biggest non-typical buck I've ever seen was in North Dakota. Like, came out of a sunflower field, giant. Yeah. Like, and I still can't stop thinking about that deer and a couple other deer I saw. And I was like. One of these times I got to get back out there and bow hunt out in North Dakota. Cause I'm sure things have changed since, you know, then, but I mean, I saw a huge 10 point, saw this crazy non-typical buck and every door I knocked on, I'd just walk up there, be respectful and, you know, say, Hey, I'm here from Michigan. We're doing some pheasant hunting. Um, can we pheasant hunt this? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, okay, like just to confirm with my map, like you own all this. Oh yeah. I own all this. And if you drive like four miles that way, I own twice as much go walk it all go have fun i'm like and me i'm like you know this is awesome you know like you don't get that like i can't you don't just get access to thousands of acres very easily in the midwest anymore you know yeah, that, that i call it the western midwest you know that east south dakota north dakota nebraska those big ag countries i don't know what you have to kill somebody here to get that much access i mean yeah people i mean it ruins friendships families get yep up over 30 acres around us yeah but, um, those it's just a different i mean you just got to get out there and do it and try it yeah i love it one of the benefits i really love about out-of-state hunting is it brings back that element of like surprise and hunting that you don't get around here mm -hmm. anymore whether it's good or bad i use it because it's legal um cell cams and cameras and it's easier to take inventory and determine age class and manage your farm and so i won't rag it but because i do like it but it is nice to you know be able to go out and we do a little bit of public land hunting in northern missouri or central missouri and you know you get to sit in that stand for the first time on a cold morning and possibilities are endless you don't know if there's mm -hmm. a buck out there or 170 inch buck that there might be on your home farm you might catch once in a while but for the most part you know just about every deer that's set foot on that yep public. so just the adventure part of out-of-state hunting you don't know you've never been there um obviously you go to colorado we've been there and so you get kind of used to that and that's always fun because then it's like your deer camp every year mm -hmm. you know you same guys and go to the same restaurants and you know just hang out go to the same spots but going on that out of state with your family and friends is something people aren't gonna you're not gonna regret it just from the sense of adventure and first time new like south dakota i mean i would have never imagined that we'd kill a turkey in the black hills let alone two of them at the same time it's crazy and now and we want to and probably won't have again. <laughs> no, I mean, but that's why I like this. Want to do this episode with you guys because, like, right now is kind of the time where you want to start planning some of the stuff out for this fall or for even sure. the following year. And like you said, you've done lots of over-the-counter stuff. You know, you can do, you can like Kansas is one of those things that you can go there. There's a lot of real estate. You can very diverse state. I mean, even Missouri. Like, I hate to send guys to Missouri, but like Missouri for for a non-resident isn't really that bad. My friends and I not like it, but we don't have too much public in Missouri. Yeah, so. you don't. But I mean, there, there is, is some, you know. But you can there is borderline giving away free tags. Yeah, so ridiculous. I, I wish for two hundred and seventy dollars, you get yep. two buck tags, a doe tag, and two turkey tags. Yep, you can't beat that, and it's no draw. That's a guaranteed. You come guaranteed. here, you go, you go to Wally World, and you go to the counter and purchase your tag. Yep, every time I've been to Missouri, that's how I've done it. Went right to Walmart. 500 bucks for one deer and we're just giving them away here mm -hmm. i wish that would change 
I'll send everybody here. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, you know, but like Indiana, you can go there. I mean, anyone who's listening to Michigan, I mean, Indiana's not too bad. I mean, I think there's just, only two beer states that do draws, and I think that's Iowa and Kansas. If I'm yep, correct, I think you're right, and I think maybe yeah. South Dakota and public you yeah, have to draw now because it's a little bit different. It's weird, but yeah, but they have the West and the East River. I think like you go west of whatever river it is. And the basically the hills region, it's a yeah. completely different system than the east part. It's weird. Like it's really hard to draw east turkey tags. It takes a year or two. Where okay. Black Hills ones, they give them away because no one in their right mind wants to go hunt them. Yeah, who's gonna go there? Luckily, we're not in our right mind. <laughs> Some Missouri boys. <laughs> so, I mean, That's there's cool. opportunities everywhere. Whether it's turkey hunting, turkey tags are pretty cheap. Um, you're talking a hundred to two hundred dollars at the most expensive. Yeah. Um, honestly, tons of permission places, tons of public. Turkey is one you. I wouldn't shy away from public because you're not looking for the 120 class deer. You're just yeah. looking for a male turkey. Um, typically, we try to narrow it down to a gobbler, but to, you have to hunt decide. I mean, you yeah. know in the moment if this is going to make you happy or not, and that's kind of what you like dictate it. Yeah, um, what a great, like you said, turkey hunting is a great entry for the new hunter, great entry for out of state like you're talking about. If you want to go dip your toes in that, weather is usually a little nicer. Like you're not going to be like, yeah, you get rain and that kind of thing, but it's manageable, you know, more. And that time of year, it's 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 light for a long time. So you can drive around and burn up some rubber, you know, looking around and, you know, find yeah. new areas. So, yeah, and it's you definitely must- a great point. Even if you use those, like turkey season has a scouting tool for deer season. You know, you find yep. sheds or you find old rubs that you can definitely tell are from the past season. They're not three years old or scrapes that are got a little bit of foliage on them. So, you know, they were opened up in the fall. Yep. Another great one. We know some people that go bass fishing out of state and they use that as a mechanism of scouting. Yeah, and that's a good idea too. You know, it's pretty easy. You got a friend with a boat, say, hey, let's go over Kentucky and let's go fish over there. Um, so do you guys do any of the fly, like how close are you to the fly zone in Missouri for like snow geese and stuff? I've never waterfowl hunted in my life. Really? <laughs> Our part has almost none. We get, um, we have a pond on the farm. We get very few ducks. I get two okay. geese here and I want to kill them every well, this, year. This was the first year <laughs> I've ever seen. We had a, I don't even know if you call it like a covey. I don't know. A group of wood ducks came to the pond this year. Okay. Probably okay. about 25 of them because isn't there like really good waterfowl hunting in missouri or there is, yeah. along the mississippi as okay. one in the world you get the mississippi fly zone um i think down in southwest missouri you get into that kansas fly zone um, okay that they go in there and that's a big deal we got buddies an hour south of us that do a ton of waterfowl hunting we got yeah. buddies an hour and a half north of us that are in the mecca for snow geese and the geese mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not we're not we're just in timber yeah very yeah. Very hilly timber, not really, but gotcha. northern, eastern, and western Missouri are pretty flat and open and a lot of ri- lot of rivers, a lot of waterways to spill over and yep. flood. So. so that's where I've like bow hunted those, those areas of Missouri. Like I've been to a couple spots and that's that more of the terrain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Long like breed. Yeah, like river bottom deer. Yeah, I think the one the one area we hunted, we were the, yeah, we hunted it the year that a guy shot a one ninety two with a muzzleloader. And we're like, we were not far from where that deer got shot. And it's like, but yeah, that's like, you drive around there. It's all leased. Like everything's leased up. You can't even get yeah. access unless you're paying for that. Yes, in Missouri for 
whitetail. I mean, we got big deer. The Missouri Monarch's biggest deer in world history is from about an hour and 15 minutes northeast of here. Yep. It was found dead. But they're out there. Yep, they are. It's it's cool to know that. And you know what? I live in Michigan, and people can say whatever they want. There's giants in Michigan, too. Like, you know, they, they are everywhere, but it just – the, like you're saying though like being a guy that's in, in michigan or being a guy that maybe is a little farther east like the lure to go to the midwest is pretty cool because you just hear so much about it and you know all yeah. the years i've done it yeah i've seen some great rut activity in missouri and illinois and iowa and all that but it don't happen every time and i've never mm-hmm. seen a deer you know in missouri the biggest deer i think i've seen was a three and a half maybe a four and a half year old and i passed them every time i've seen them um no actually sorry i did see one deer that was really nice and a guy shot him during the gun season like the next day because that was the last day we could bow hunt and he ended up shooting them and that was probably like a 155 160 but a lot, yeah. otherwise you see a lot of deer a lot of cool things like but but for someone who's never seen a three and a half year old deer like because i mean <clears throat> it happens like you don't see it you go out to missouri and it's like there are more there are more bucks of higher age class in the midwest that's the lure that's the lure for it but if weather doesn't line up you're there the wrong week there's a lot going against it it's, it's pretty dependent and what sucks for the rut is most of the states the rut lines up and so you might be missing the michigan rut if you're going to come hunt the rut somewhere else and yep any state that's prop i mean there's 180s in colorado in eastern colorado any state with whitetails barring probably like Florida and <laughs> that's pretty much it has <laughs> got the yep. ability to take care of the property, shoot for H bus. That's probably why Michigan, Pennsylvania get a bad rap is one. You guys have more hunters than any mm-hmm. state besides Texas and you guys shoot deer more than any state. Besides Hammer them. Yep. <laughs> Iowa, Iowa actually does, doesn't even, I don't even think it's in the top 12 for deer population, nope. but it's also like, not in the top 15 for hunter population so you got limited hunters limited deer tons of food and habitat that's a pretty good recipe it's pretty hard (laughs) get tags missouri would have the opportunity to do it but they like making their money off that bag every year and so we have a ton of hunters especially down in the southern part that's why i say you go south of the missouri river which is where we're at it's very Mm -hmm. southern feeling more deer campy you get north and I know buddies who live, I went to school with that are from up north and they have permission on basically every piece of property in their county because none of the farmers care. They yep. have habitat, they have great food, but they don't care about hunting. They'll let you deer hunt. Yep. Now they won't let you if you knock on the door, but the people got yeah, them local. Got them chalked up now, but it's just part of it. And it it's whatever floats your boat. I don't blame guys that shoot the first deer, but. You're making yes. me want to go hunt Missouri again is what you're doing. Yeah. I'm talking about all this. I'm like, I got to get back over there. <laughs> I don't, I just don't understand when people, you know, shoot the first deer. People do it around us a ton. They shoot the first three-year-old they see, and then they go, well, we just don't have big bucks around here. Well, you know, because you you're shooting them. <laughs> yeah. Like Missouri says, if you want to shoot a 200, you got to pass a 170. And yep. that's not easy. It's not easy for some people to pass a 115. But yep. if you want to shoot 150, they aren't born 150. No, so each to their own. Um, you know, it's hard, it's hard, it's it's hard because, like, you know, like us, we're in a group, like, we're a niche of how we like to hunt, and you got guys that maybe aren't as serious or don't have as much time, so it's like always that dilemma between like 
yes, I want you to have fun. And I understand that, like you just talked about how like you had a really tough season, you hunted really hard and did not get a deer, you know, but like, let's say a guy who it take, it might take him, you know, five years to sit 50 times, you know, like, or 10 years because it's just the way schedule works. He doesn't have his life set up that way. So you're like, you kind of feel like a jerk. You're like, man, you shouldn't shoot that little buck when you only get so much time to hunt. But then it's like, well, but you keep shooting those bucks and then you're never going to see anything bigger because you're going out there and dusting the first one you see. And it takes like you, you guys said this, all your mature bucks, you guys have history with. So like that deer's either been by you, been passed by one of your family members, been passed by you guys individually. It's just like this, it takes so much to go into it. And yeah, that is always the dilemma. And when you have states with a lot of hunters yeah. and gun season in the rut, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, you just those people who hunt one week and, power to you if that's the only weekend you can hunt be happy by all means shoot it my only problem is is when that person goes and complains about yes. the quality here like that to me not acceptable you can't yep. be doing that i agree that's my thing too can be yep. part of the quote-unquote problem and then complain about the quote-unquote problem <laughs> i that's uh, so funny you said this i talked to a, a gentleman and uh he's been hunting for a long time like he's you know he's no stranger to killing deer and uh find success every year i think he shot a buck every year for like 35 years let's say and i ran into him and i hadn't seen him you know and i said hey how was your season when did you end up getting and he's like yep i ended up shooting one of the muzzleloader you know i passed that ear a bunch of the bow but you know i was getting towards the end of the year so you know, i got, yeah, got my buck you know and i'm just like and i was like oh what was it and he told me and it's like this dude has shot probably a hundred hundred inch eight points like i mean i mean like every year he does one or two of them and yeah. But he was so jacked, you know, about that. But then as soon as he said it, he's like, yeah, there was nothing bigger. So, you know, I got to shoot something. And in my head, I'm like, ah, oh, I was so good with everything you were saying until that. It's like, well, yeah. there's nothing else because you shoot them every time, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of a thing. But, you know, like it's just it's always that thing you're going to have. And when you're passionate about something and, you know, there's so many options and, yeah, there's a lot of wormholes and all that. But, no, I think uh, it's like Clint Casper says, you know, never settle. Yeah. So whatever your goals are, by all means, your goal could yep. be kill a buck. It could be a spike. Just kill a male deer. Your goal could be kill 170 or kill a seven-year-old. Just don't – whatever you say your goals to, that's where we're setting the line. Just don't – just because oh, the season's later, should you say, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to quite hold out for my goal. I'm going to I'm gonna go below it, even though you said at the start of the season, this is my hard set goal. And then you're like, ah, oh, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe I'll just like we got a our uncles and George and Dale, I and mean, they're a, they got to shoot a buck. That's their goal yep. for the. I mean, they just they can't they won't shoot does typically. They do sometimes, although not always legal. They like to shoot more deer than they got. Tags. <laughs> I went hunting with my uncle Dale when I was like seven, and we shot seven deer. We had two tags. <laughs> yeah, just, old boys. Doing? I mean, you just keep shooting deer. <laughs> Yeah, they gotta, they shoot a buck because it's they grew up in a day where there wasn't deer. Yep. Like you shot a buck, you were like the talk of the town. And they're mm-hmm. still like, they just gotta shoot a buck to say, you know, I got my buck for the year. And that's fine. I have no problem with that. Um it just is what it is. I mean, my dad can remember when uh Uncle Dale showed up deer hunting in camo one year at their deer camp, and they all made fun of him because they thought you only needed camo for turkeys. The deer couldn't see that well. <laughs> yep. No, you don't need that. You just hunt in your jeans and your final, and he'll smoke cigarettes all day in the stand. <laughs> but yep. He's just part of that old school 
mentality. It's kind of just like in the moment, it's up to your personal discretion. I mean, like for example, when I I passed that, what I thought was three and a half, Jeremiah thought he was four and a half from pictures. But in that moment, I felt that that deer was not of the quality that I wanted to shoot. And I mean, mm-hmm. to each their own. And that's a decision that we all have to make as hunters in that moment for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe when you don't shoot anything for the rest of you, you're like, oh man. But then you're like, how disappointed would you have been if you cut back on your goal? Like yeah. that's the thing. And I think that's a good, that's kind of a good way to end this, I think, because, you know, if you're settling on a goal like that, like if you do set forth and you, you cheat yourself by not, you know, fulfilling that goal, maybe it doesn't really mean much to you in the moment, but like someone like me, who tries to be successful in my day in day out life and, you know, be a good husband and a good leader and all those things. It's like, man, if I'm willing to like, you know, go back on myself on a deer, which is just a deer at the end of the day, like I don't need it to survive. I don't need to kill anything. Like I'm going to cut myself short on that. What else am I doing that in my day to day life? You know? So I think it's kind of like a bigger meaning and bigger purpose. And that's probably why like Jeremiah, you like doing all the other stuff so much because the hard work and putting in the effort and, you really get a kick out of seeing your hard work turn into something. So like the whole, like having to grind out a season and sit in the tree isn't as intriguing to you because like you say, you like to be on the move, you like to do all these things. And then now it's like, yeah, I'm just ready for the next year to get food plots going and to get, yeah. see what can grow next because you really like, that's probably how you live your life. I mean, you, that first year about- of July is like Christmas. As yeah. We're seeing, Hey, we got these bucks to go after kind of yeah. like, you know, he said you might be disappointed. You didn't shoot that deer. But now you get to look forward to what that deer is going to look like next year. And typically it's going to be better. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And I think it's be really, you guys would be in a good spot because once you do start maybe in, in having a family in the next few years or whatever that looks like, you guys are, you guys are putting in a lot of the time right now that's going to lead to success for years down the road. Like you're going to have a healthy deer herd for you and your family to be able to hunt for years and years and years. You know, you're constantly making it better. So like you guys are really heavily invested in right now and it's just going to pay dividends for years to come. So it's yeah, pretty exciting. One thing on that note, I would recommend for everybody out there on the topic of, you know, starting a family and building, you know, that quality hunting ground. And then we've talked about out of state hunting. If you can, whatever States allow it, I would apply for points for your kids as they're growing up because yeah. how cool it'd be when you graduate high school, you can take your son on his first elk hunt. He doesn't have to wait five years to draw a nice tag you know that's one thing i definitely wish our my dad would have done the the knowledge of points was not that big in the 90s and early 2000s but now today if you can afford it a couple hundred bucks a year going towards your kids and they graduate and they can go on these hunts while they're able-bodied that would be pretty sweet that's the way to go (laughs) yeah it's a good core memory your kid and have that memory with them i mean I mean, just like watching my brother or my dad kill something, you know, you get that same joy. I mean, I don't have any children yet, but I can imagine just like watching your son or your daughter, you know, fulfill their goals would be just as cool and probably even better than you fulfilling your own. It brings life full circle for me. Like, you know, my son seeing that, it's like, man, that's what my dad saw in me, my grandpa, you know, the generation to generation thing. And and the, the day of, you know, now everything's so fast paced and, what's the quickest thing you can see or instant gratification, all that stuff, you know, or who knows what that's going to lead to in the future. But, you know, I'm, you know, maybe I'm a little trying to keep some of the old school stuff with how I'm raising my kid and, you know, doing that it's, it's hard, but you know, some days it's really easy to, 
it's sometimes it's you know some it's not hard is the wrong word but like henry's raising a pig right now you know he's it's we're gonna it's going to the slaughter in like a few weeks but like every morning when he wakes up he's got to go feed that pig every night he's got to feed that pig so like before he can do anything in the morning he's got to take care of that and as soon as he gets home from you know getting picked up at night he's out there feeding the pig and like he has no idea what that's instilling in him you know like he's just right now it's fun and doing all that but like as a parent i'm seeing it from the outside and i'm like man my dad used to do that kind of stuff for me you know and now that's translation translated to me like doing things you know outside of my eight hour work day or my nine hour work day you know like you're just instilled these other things and yeah seeing them grow and mature and doing all that it's it, dude it's so cool and like hearing you guys you know talk about what you did in your early 20s like you got a jump start on what i was able to do and i'm like pretty excited for you guys the, all these memories you're gonna have and you do this and it's really cool and it's very and like i love how you guys are like it's attainable like it's not like maybe not a 2024 attainable like you guys are going pretty hard in the paint for 2024 yes. but you know yeah, there's other paint things paint you can do it's gonna be, yeah. <laughs> i don't know if i'd recommend that as like the guide to every season yes but yeah it definitely is attainable we like on the gratification for kids we take our little cousins on yeah we've shot first deer first bucks first turkeys yeah and i think i'm more nervous when they shoot stuff than i've ever been <laughs> and it does it teaches them you know it's the long haul sometimes, you know, yes. whether it's passing a deer or putting in a food plot, you know, you don't get to see that for weeks or months. And then you don't get to see them eat it until the fall. And then you don't get to see benefits of that. And like you said, with your pig and kids need more of that these days. I think we, I don't know if we were the last good generation or the first bad generation. Away from those true values of, you know, on honest work or you know honestly getting your meat and too many people don't understand like how we get where we or why we do what we do or yes you know, but you can't take a kid to the blind these days without them having a tablet you have to like almost yep. tell them like hey look there's a buck and they're like all right cool mm -hmm. like, like, all right well i don't know why i'm taking you you know we took my buddy's uh <laughs> brother hunting one time and hunting is just not for him which that's fine but he yeah. wanted to go we shot a doe and we turn around and he's covering his eyes in the back of the blind <laughs> <laughs> but you know but, but the good thing is, is that he understands what goes into it so like if it does come down to the point where we need voters or we need people to be on board with something that we are a minority in He's like, hey, like I'm for it. It's not for me, but like I understand the value for it. Yeah, exactly. Like I have, yeah. Oh, sorry, you can go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, I have siblings. You know, I'm the oldest six kids, and you know, we don't all hunt, um, but everyone's all for it. Like they, we celebrate it. They celebrate it together. They're totally cool. They get it. Like you said, it's not really for them, but they they have no problem with it because they understand the quality of the management of the deer. Like. If there's too many deer, they're going to have no food, and they get more of them get hit by cars and killed by cows. I mean, you can just go through the whole system, and our, but that's education, right? Yeah, our mom and sister are the same way. They don't like hunting. They don't dislike hunting. They're not anti-hunters. They just not for them, not their cup of tea. They'll eat some of it. They like yep. they like they'll cooking, eat. so they'll cook it for us, and that's pretty much all I ask. Because yeah, <laughs> they weren't really eating. I probably wouldn't do it <laughs> as much as yep. I love trophy hunting. A quote unquote, um, uh, eating it and the camaraderie over the t 
table and breaking bread with one another is probably my favorite part is knowing like your kid's going to learn that he provided dinner yeah. for his family. And that's probably going to be yeah. the best feeling he's ever going to have. Um, just yeah. knowing that you're the provider. And like you said, we got to have, just because they don't do it, they just need to understand where we're coming from and as a lifestyle. And because we are coming up on a day probably sooner than we'd like that this is going to go to a public poll. Yeah. And it's not going to be about the biologist. You're seeing it right now in Colorado with wolves and yeah. mountain lions. They're not looking at the biologist. They're just sending it out to the public. And people in Denver are voting on stuff that isn't going to affect them in the slightest. Mm -hmm. That day is probably sooner than we'd it's like. Coming. I don't like to think about it because I'm not a politician or like that aspect of life, but it's like the more I think about it, it's like, okay, if I look back to when, so I'm 33, and if I look back to when I was 12 years old and like see how many people hunted in Michigan back then compared to now, it's like a lot less. And, you know, there's and like, you know, we're as a whole, the hunting community is not very techie probably compared to other communities. And like, oh, we have a lot of disadvantages and, or there's a lot of guys that maybe aren't very well spoken. Um, so like, there's a lot of, you see what people can do to manipulate, to make people think what's going on. What's really not going on. It's like, Ooh, this is kind of sketchy. And then like, you got the trail camera bands happening and like all these things like quick, like, boom, you can't use trail cameras anymore. Okay. Yeah. Grand scheme of things. I don't really care that much about trail cameras. Like I would yeah. still hunt, but it's like, if they can just like cancel trail cameras right away, what else can they just be like, yep, you're done using a bow now. Like, is that like, I don't know. Like that's the kind of stuff that worries me. And, you know, I probably should educate, educate myself some more on that, but it's like, yeah, it could be really weird. So if, as long as I can just speak of this in a good light and, you know, try to like show maybe a few people I can every year, like why I like it, maybe introduce new people and like, kind of like say, Hey, this is something everyone can do. There's it's a, it's a much more, there's much more involved than just the like, pulling the trigger and like taking a life like there's so much more behind the scenes stuff and like value there that i just like almost take for granted because this is how i've been raised and uh the older i get i'm not that old yet but i'm getting there my back's a little achy every morning i wake up but you know it's uh it's a cool thing and like it's something that kind of challenges me and you know now it's the off season so you're like yeah i think about it a little more and all these things and i just gotta remember that it's like just take everything take everything you can enjoy it take the moments that are good and yeah what you know maybe bring a new person out you know that's it's hard to bring a new person out it is it's not easy it takes a lot of effort but if maybe you can do that it will pay off in the long run yeah and even if we uh introduce so many new people that it makes our spots worse <laughs> yep uh, we still have our spots Yep. So, exactly. For those people that are against that. Uh, <laughs> yep. Better to bad. Yep. Better to hunt bad spots. No, no, I agree. So no, I think we'll end it on that guys. I like it. And uh, I appreciate this. And uh, yeah, if there's anything you guys want to close on, I mean, you go for it, but uh, I just want to say congrats on a great fall and a great year for you too. It was pretty cool well, seeing that. Planners and a bear. Oh, yeah. Definitely a good year for season. You. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, All right, guys, sure. we'll have a good night. It was a good yeah. talking with you, Nate, and uh, we'll have to stay caught up with each other. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll have to get up on a turkey hunt. Yeah, we'll trade a turkey I'll hunt. We'll Come down to Missouri. We'll show like. you how to call. <laughs> show me how to call. I need training, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right.